car right now. We're wrapping up the renovations on the lot, and then it'll be good to go. Is that in Tennessee here? Yes, it is. Cool. It is. Go grab you a beverage. Oh, what I'm looking at right now. If you could get a little closer, Ben. Yeah, I'm good. Um, but that's what I'm overviewing right now. Rub it in, asshole. That's nice. Are you in, um, where are you at, Franklin? Linden. Oh, Linden, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. All right, man, let's do this. You guys ready? Yep, fired up. Hey, 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 lead heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. I am your host, Lefty, bringing you... The Leducation for 10 years now here on the Talking Lead Podcast. Leducating the Uneducated. And uh, we've got a great lineup of sponsors that have offered some discount codes to you leadheads. We give those out every episode uh, and sometimes on social media and our YouTube videos. So make sure you're watching those to get the latest uh, and greatest on those codes so you can save because we got those holidays coming up. Tis the season to be jolly and spend your money uh, on your buddies and your wives and your kids and your family. And uh, we help you save money. Go to Mission First Tactical, use code LEADHEAD, you get 20% off. SEAL1.com, use the code LEADHEAD, you get 25% off. If you want an awesome Talking Lead logo t-shirt like I'm wearing, if you're not watching the video, you need to be watching it. Uh, you can go to 1776united.com, use the code Talking Lead. you're going to get 20% off any of your purchases there. Uh, and then we'll have some more throughout the show that we'll throw out. Um, but uh, make sure you go support all those that make this show possible each and every week for you leadheads like Caltech, IWIUS, uh, bringing you each and every month the AK Corner, our good buddies over at Century Arms. So go to their Instagrams, go to all their social medias, let them know how much you appreciate it so we can continue bringing you the education. Introducing Cryptek's new hatch jacket. The jacket is secured with a full snap closure system along with two snap pockets. Fitted cuffs and waistband to ensure a perfect fit every time. Made with 100% polyester shell and finished with a DWR water repelling treatment, the hatch is made with a quilted design and no hood to reduce bulk, making it versatile enough for any adventure. 200 grams of Primaloft synthetic insulation make the hatch light, quick drying and ultra warm. Coming in two colors, the hatch jacket, only at Cryptech.com. So today, this episode, is going to be a fun one. This is, this is new for me. And as you leadheads know, when I get into something new, I bring you into it too, whether you like it or not. <laughs> So, we're going to be talking archery today. I got into, uh, and I've been telling you guys this for a while, I've been wanting to get into the, the archery hunting, bow hunting, and uh, I did it. I have done it. I have entered the world, uh, and that's thanks to our guest that we've got on today. I'm going to introduce our guest now. Uh, joining me, and this is not his first time, you guys have, have met Brandon before. He's been on some episodes in the past. Uh, we've done some SHOT Show interviews together in uh, our good buddy, the Sheepdog Impact Assistance Group over there, Sergeant Major Lance Nutt. Uh, he's been involved with some of the shows that we've done with them as well. 
Brandon Forker joining us, who is now with Centerpoint Archery and the Velocity Group, the whole family there, and he's going to tell us all about their whole their whole family of brands there. So, Brandon, welcome in. Hey, man, glad to uh, be on. Glad to get back on the uh, on the show, and especially with this uh, this subject matter, archery, I think is a great uh, avenue for you to jump into, Lefty. So excited to see uh, your foray into it for sure. Well, it's about time, you know. It's taken me <laughs> fifty two years, and I finally made it. So. <laughs> Hey, never too late, never too late. And as good buddies do, you know, we introduce each other to other good people and good folks that have similar similar beliefs and interests. And uh, also joining us, we have Benjamin Cole. And Benjamin has a uh, TV show that he has started. It's called Rooted. I believe I got it, Rooted Television. And uh, we're going to learn more about that this episode, too. So you can call you Benjamin or Ben? Uh, Ben's fine. Okay. Ben, welcome in. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Uh, you know, that's one thing I love is being in the woods and archery hunting is just kind of part of the gig when you hunt during early season, it gives you more time and, you know, uh, we'll get into more of that later, but it also gives you a little bit more of an advantage on that. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to save that. For We're going to talk about it. Yeah. There's going to be some talking yeah, points talk, there. Talk, talk about that later. Thank you for having me. All the secrets in the opening, man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and I mentioned that you've got a TV show that that you that you are doing, and uh, tell our little our leadheads a little bit more about uh, your TV show Rooted. Yeah, so Rooted Television was a, a passion that I've had for a lot of years. Filming, video production, all of that has been something that I've always wanted to do and always known that I was supposed to do. Um, so we travel around, we hunt deer, ducks, hogs, turkey, anything that's got a legal season, we'll chase it just about it. Anything that tastes uh, good, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> got to have those vittles in the oven, I'm telling you. And, uh, yeah. you know, do a little bit of sharing the gospel on there and, and, uh, that, that's the show. I mean, we're just showing people, you know, what it's really like to, to be a hunter. And, you know, none of this, oh, well, you got to shoot a 190 to be cool. I'm more of the, along the lines of uh, just like to kill deer and eat them. For, yeah, for the, the sub- substance that it provides, the nutrition and, you know, being able to provide for yourself and your family rather yes. than relying on supermarkets and the government to, to provide for you. It's, it's more about uh, providing for yourself and, and being more self-sufficient. In fact, that's all we live off of is is wild game. That's that is our meat of choice. Yeah, even game. though you could go out and you could buy the most expensive cuts of beef and whatever in the stores, this is this is how you choose to to live, and that's very honorable. Sure. And like you said, you but, you also bring in a little scripture to it too. So, uh, for our listeners, um, uh, Ben is a very spiritual individual, and he brings that to his show as well. So another another thing that maybe you're missing out of some of those other hunting shows that Ben's bringing to the table. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I'm not a, a preacher. I'm not any of those things. I'm just like everybody else. Um, I'll go in and I'll just read a, a verse and basically just tell you how it's affected my life. And, uh, you know, because like I say, I'm not perfect. I'm just like everybody else. The only thing that separates me from anybody is Jesus, and that's it. Uh, it's nothing that I've done, nothing that I'll ever do you know, other than that. Well, that, that lovely uh, mane of hair that you've got going there in the beard, uh, <laughs> that kind of separates us a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And Brandon, you're you're back with us, and we're glad to have you back, and uh, especially in the the capacity, the role that you are serving now with Velocity Outdoor. And uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on over there at Velocity. Yeah, so so Velocity, right? That's obviously the parent company. We've got several brands underneath that space. So so right, we we work primarily with archery and also with with the air gun, air rifle segment. So we have Crossman guns, which probably most of us have heard of or grown up with if you're in the shooting space area. Um, a lot of us, right, that 760 Pump Master might have been the first gun you were kicking around in the woods with as a kid, you know, and got you into it. Um, and then we've also got the Benjamin Air Rifles, right, with the PCP, and, and that's kind of the premier offering when it comes to our air rifle segment in there. Uh, so really exciting stuff on that air gun side, and but we'll get into those in you know future episodes. Something, yeah, definitely archery. something I want to get into and and uh, get our our lead heads more information on. So yeah, look, I'm excited about that. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many cool and innovative things going on in that space with big bore, and now you can take you know air rifle hunting into pretty much any game pursuit you want to, you know, around the world. Um, and then on the archery side, right, it's much the same thing. So obviously here today, we're going to focus a lot on center point. That's, uh, I know what you had some experience with at the Wrath 430X, which is one of our most exciting bows, right? Newest bow in the line, um, was field and stream and outdoor lives, you know, recommended editors, uh, bow of the year for 22, their editor's choice and basically in the value bow segment. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and what that means, you know, when we say value bow, when you say value uh, bow, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean cheap at all. I mean, this is a, a very exactly. high quality bow and we're going to talk about it. I don't have one yet. Ah, <laughs> we might, we might be able to remedy oh, that. This episode. Shouts across the bow. Love it. Um, <laughs> and then, and then obviously we also have Raven in our portfolio, right? So Raven is our premier crossbow line in, in right. Some of the best crossbows on the market most innovative, right? We've got some of the fastest bows on the market, some of the most accurate bows. I mean, these are crossbows that can be, you know, dead nuts accurate 100, 200 yards out. Yeah. You know, we're talking crossbows that are putting 500 you know, feet a second velocity out consistently um, with a full grain bolt. You know, those are just, uh, those are impressive things for us. That's so, probably what so Ben has. Ben's probably got the Raven, doesn't he? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. See, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't lead in with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, very good. I have a multitude of weapons in your arsenal. That's right. You <laughs> got to have variety, right? Variety is the yeah. spice of life. No it's doubt cool. about it. Hundred percent. And as we get into our conversation, we'll talk more about uh, offerings that Velocity has and. Uh, we'll talk about because Ben obviously has experience with uh, some of the things, probably more of them than I do. Uh, and we'll talk about other other brands too. We're not just going to you know talk about that and or not one brand specific. We're we're here to talk about archery. And uh, for me, I thought we would just keep it basic on this episode. Uh, learn learn the basics. You know, learn the the bolts versus arrows. Learn about you know all the different parts of the the arrows and then of course we'll break down some compound bows uh crossbows our focus mainly is going to be crossbows today because that's what i got the experience with and that's what i'm going to talk about so it's my show (laughs) and that's what we're going to talk about that's right but before we do that guys we do this little segment it's called the planes and trains and we need to take care of some jack wagons and we need to honor some heroes 
So, Gunny, bring that train in. Who rides Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, so the train has stationed, and we've got some Jack Wagons that we want to take care of, and uh, hopefully we got some heroes that we that we need to honor. So, also, I'll kick it off, and uh, I'll, I'll do some Jack Wagons here. So as you guys have heard me talk about in the past, um, Tia, she's in the movie industry, film and TV, which Ben is in also. And I had my first on-set, I guess, experience this week where um, I had the opportunity to help out on this new TV show that's being filmed uh, in this area. And I can't tell you what it is or what it's about because of the NDA you know, and all that, but uh, it was pretty fun. But uh, you guys know how I feel about covid and, you know, the shots and, you know, the, the vaccinations and, and all that. Well, on these movie sets and TV sets, and I don't know how it is, you know, when you guys do it, Ben, because I guess you're pretty much the production. You guys take care of all your own stuff. But when you get with these California, these big Hollywood types, you know, they're still requiring the, the test, at least right now. I've never, I've not been vaccinated and they didn't ask me, so I didn't tell. And uh, all they did, they did the, you know, they did the testing. But the fact that they're still testing, and that they're requiring people to still wear masks on set because the mask has pretty much gone away, um, is ridiculous. I think that's still that deserves a jack wagon call out for the Hollywood types and sets and studios that are still doing that. It's probably them calling me back on set, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, hold on. This is Tia because this is set. Hold on. Hello, I'm recording. Is it emergency? Hello. Freaking butt dial. <laughs> Look at that. That's top shelf edit out right there. Right. Yeah. No, I'm gonna leave this in. This yeah, is- I would. <laughs> I'll definitely leave that in. But as far as what our <laughs> protocol is on COVID, is if you wear a mask on my set, I'm going to ask you what's wrong. Yeah. Well, here's the and thing. I'm- I got no problem. People voluntarily want to wear them. That that's fine. But making it mandatory, yeah. again, yeah. never never agreed with that in the beginning. Um, no. But you know they're still doing it. And these these people, this is their jobs and you know their income and. This is how they provide for their families, and and a lot of them feel like if I don't do it, then you know what else am I going to do? I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to provide, pay my bills. So that's why a lot of these people have gotten the the vaccinations and the shots against their will. I mean, really, it's against their will. They've been forced yep. to do this, and um, the fact that they're still, you know, still doing that to this day because it's pretty much gone away everywhere. Yep. You know, even in the liberalist of liberal areas well the thing about a mask is if you have a beard let's be honest it's not going to seal properly if you want people to wear a mask then everybody needs to shave their face and everybody needs to be properly fitted for a mask sure you want to go i i guess but again the mask it's already been proven they don't work and they cause more harm than they do good absolutely so um that's my jack wagon. Again, we, we try not to get too political on this, but I just kind of wanted to point that out and let you guys know that it's... And and I think it's got a lot to do, Ben, with the fact that a lot of jobs were created 
when COVID came up. So a lot of these people, these, these COVID compliance departments didn't even exist on set prior to this. And, you know, there's, there was probably a crew of, you know, 10 people just on this and it's a smaller kind of production, um, just for that one production. Uh, so think of all the money that they're paying these people and all the equipment and all the testing and, you know, all that, that they're, they're having to flood into it. And these people, they didn't have jobs prior to that, you know, and I hate it that if it goes away, they're going to lose their jobs, but it's, it's a job that doesn't need to exist. And they're fighting tooth and nail, listening to these people on set talk about, um, you know, how it's, how it's bad and it's coming back and it's not going away. And it's all, it's, it's bullshit. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's pestilence is what it is. There you go. Yeah. Feel free to re- 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 you know make Bible references as we go because I'm not proficient on those. <laughs> oh, no, definitely pestilence for sure. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't go by the way of the world by any means. In fact, I I'd, I'd rather just live out in the woods by myself with nobody around. Amen. Same here. Yeah. I think a lot of people are are gonna start counting that here soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm banking on that 425 million dollar uh, lottery. <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> just call me. Just I'll... carve us out about you know 100 acres when you uh. When oh, I you play. guys, you guys will be there definitely. It'll <laughs> it'll be like a million acres something that I get, and all oh, all my buddies, all the lead heads will be invited out definitely. All right, um, awesome. but yeah, I just kind of wanted to get that off my chest. That's my most recent and last couple of days. Um, uh, that's kind of what I've been doing. It was fun. I enjoyed it, and everybody on set was cool and. Um, and nothing against the COVID people whatsoever. Everybody was super nice people and uh, the whole production and, and everything. So if, if you're listening, I wasn't down talking to you, just the policy. And I know it's, you know, they can't do anything about it. So Yeah, it's not the person. It's just their job. It's like a yeah. game warden. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Oh, that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. The game warden. Did you hear about the uh, the TWRA, the suit against them, and the Camden guy, the hunter? No, did not. So they were uh, they had surveillance cameras on this guy's property. Really? So they just came on and put surveillance cameras, and they were surveilling his property. And um, they gang rushed him one day when he was out on his property property hunting, and they were trying to hit him up with all these charges of you know baiting and you know, all kinds of other stuff. And, um, he was like, why do you have cameras on my property? Did you have a warrant? Do you have a warrant to do this, to come on my property and do all this? And so, um, a year later, you know, the lawsuit and they determined that no TWRA does not have the right to come on your property without a warrant anymore, because before they could do, they could just come on your property and, you know, do whatever. But no, uh, there's a new ruling now. So hero wise, there's that's my hero, is the the go. guy in Camden that uh, sued the TWRA and won, and now it is a uh, they they can't just come willy nilly on your property. And you think you think you know that when you buy your property, it's your property, it's private property, and that they can't come on your property anyway. But federally, there's a statute or something uh, in there. I was reading this that outside of your immediate domain, your, your castle, you know what they call your castle, anything outside of that, they can come without a, a warrant. They can come on your property. But Tennessee <laughs> state law, there's a, there's, a, there's a law, and that's what saved this guy in Camden, 
is there's a, a Tennessee state law that that says they can't do that. So I'm not a lawyer, a lawyer or an attorney, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, good to know. So yeah, yeah. But I will say that not all game wardens are like that. You know, I know several oh, yeah. of them that are really good folks too. You know, um, and they generally want to help. They really do want to help and and be nice guys. Um, you know, they just run into a lot of jack legs sometimes. And I mean, I get they that, do. You know? And I was out last year hunting, and I've got private property. And it's it's fenced and gated and locked. And when mm-hmm. I come and go, I you know the gates locked and. So, um, and, and when I pull in in the mornings to do the morning hunts, I don't pull in as far, but I do pull in the gate and lock the gate back. Well, when I got back, uh, for my afternoon or my morning hunt and later that afternoon, there was a business card tucked in my, my window and it was a TWRA agent's card. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) This is, I mean, he had to jump the fence, walk up, you know, at least 200 yards. Um, so I called him. I was like, hey, dude, um, got your card here. Is there something I can help you with? And we've got private property posted, you know, no trespassing signs and, you know, all that up everywhere. Uh, And he's like, uh, and I told him who I was. And I said, I know you know who I am because you probably ran the license plate. Uh, So uh, I said, I'm the owner of this property and blah, 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 blah. He's like, oh, no, I just wanted to let you know. uh, I saw the car there, just wanted to make sure there was no trouble or, you know, somebody might be. Uh, injured or having problems. I was like, uh, this private property, I'm inside a locked gate. Uh, (laughs) It's hunting season. Uh, So it was his way of saying, uh, I'm watching you, you know, kind of deal. But I mean, he was nice about it and everything, but I never heard anything else from him. That's good. Yeah. Crazy. Speaking of that, I'll I'll kind of throw out my jack wagon. It might tie off that and tie to our archery. Yeah. You know, talking about crossbows, right? Uh So, we have one one state left in the U.S., the good old state of Oregon, that has not made, that has what? crossbows as fully illegal, right? So you can use your crossbows, and, and there's there's regulations, right? Certain states have limited seasons or limited individuals who can use them, mm-hmm. but Oregon's kind of the last holdout in the U.S. is a state that will not allow crossbows to hunt for hunting purposes. So that's kind of my one right there. It's like I want to, you know— what Talk would be to, the uh, reason? Leadheads out there in the great state of Oregon, and and tell them, hey man, call your representative and get them to open that up. No, absolutely. And what would be the reason why? I mean, I can maybe see it twenty, thirty years ago, or maybe you know, thirty years ago. Maybe why? Because the, maybe the technology and the power wasn't there with the crossbows, but with today's yeah, technology, it, it, you know. I, I don't know. I don't have a deep uh, understanding of why Oregon's, you know, kind of the last holdout. I mean, the little bit that I've seen and been informed about, and maybe some of your viewers might know better than even myself, but it sure. uh, sounds like they're they're trying to keep their hunting space traditional, just to traditional archery and then traditional firearms and kind of just have those seasons. And for whatever reason, they see crossbows as, as kind of messing that up a little bit. And so they're They've just nice. been hard cut on that. So, you know, don't know. But Well, I mean, like you and I were... I think we need to push them to get, get beyond that. Absolutely. Yeah, if we've got any Oregon listeners, email me, talkingletgmail.com, uh, and let me know if, uh, like, crossbow hunting or if you're a, a um, compound bow hunter even. Um, let's talk and see what we can do maybe to, to 
get the ball rolling and getting you guys into the, the crossbows. That'd be, that'd be awesome. And the same goes with any of you other leadheads that are listening. If you are hunters, you're crossbow hunters, or if you just have a crossbow, um, shoot me an email. Let me know. I'd be curious as to, I mean, if it's just recreational, if you're into competition, uh, or even fishing, you know, people can, can fish, uh, with crossbows now too. Um, so I don't know how that translates state to state, but that could be different. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And this, that's the thing is there's, you know, there, there are a lot of regulations out there, I think in relation to crossbows, again, like we said, certain states have limited seasons or certain times of the year, or they require their, that it parallels the firearm season, you know, so, you know, definitely for your listeners out there, when it comes to the crossbow space, you know, before you just jump right in, you know, find out, make sure what you want to do, what game you're pursuing, mm-hmm. and then, you know, check your local state and even county. Some states, you know, break it down. Certain counties will have regulations where the state might allow it, but a certain county doesn't. Right. I know I'm here in Texas and we've got uh, four counties around myself that, that do not allow crossbows, you know, during their, their deer season. So just got to be mindful of it. Well, see, and that's ridiculous too. That's just, that's ludicrous. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and again, you know, don't know exactly why, you know, certain places are choosing that, but, uh, but you know, that's where they're at. Well, they need and to... the, the good thing is we've seen that, uh, we've seen that start to come down, right? We've seen more and more spaces yeah. open up and look at crossbows in a different mindset and, and agree that it's really, an, you know, an equal to the vertical archery space when it yeah. comes to... but you bring up a good point. The game earlier. Yeah, check, you know, check and make sure. If, you, if you're not certain, uh, don't just... And like you said, too, certain game, um, mm-hmm. yep. you, you can and can't use crossbows on. So you got to check that out, um, too. So yep. good, good points. Absolutely. What about you, Ben? You got any jack wagons? Not today, I don't. Okay, than- not today. <laughs> It's a good day. Uh, throwing a code of some sort, but that's about it, really. It, it does it a lot. But you know. <laughs> Well, that counts. That counts as a jackpot. What about any heroes? Uh, you guys got any heroes? Anybody that deserves some recognition? Or any, or maybe it's a thing or a you know, product that deserves some recognition that maybe uh, it doesn't normally get in the popular media. Uh, my wife is definitely a hero because she puts up with me being on the road all the time like i'm gone more times than i'm home during hunting season i'll be gone for two or three weeks at a time and she raises our babies and keeps our house up everything's in order and she does a wonderful job doing that fantastic i love that the yep. wife i'm gonna second that i will second the uh the now, wife deserves the recognition now it does, we're dealing with this when we're spending all the time out in the field absolutely now does the wife uh does she does she hunt or do any of that too? Is she into that? No, we're polar opposites. She don't mind it, but she loves taxidermy, so it works great. Ah, okay. <laughs> Very good. So there you go. Honoring the wives today. I like that. Get a little recognition. Yep. All right. I don't have I don't have any more jack wagons or uh, heroes, but if you leadheads have any, email me, talking at gmail.com. Uh, let me know your nominations, and we will read them on the air as I... Uh, as I find them, sometimes I, I miss them and I come back to them. But there's no expiration date for jack wagons or heroes. We can always come back and get them. Hey, I'm Adam with Canic USA here talking about an exciting new addition to the Canic Firearms line: the Canic Mete Pro Series. 
Each Canik Mete model will now feature a pro version as well as the standard configuration, meaning you get all the amazing features that come with the Mete line along with some serious upgrades. These upgrades start with an instantly noticeable feature in the new aggressive slide cuts, which not only look cool, but allow for easier manipulation of the firearm. Next is the chrome-plated, fluted, one half by 28 threaded barrel. The Pro Series also features tritium front sights and blacked out rear sights. Finally, the world-famous Canik Trigger is now a polymer 90-degree design. The first two available versions of the Pro Series will be the Canik Mete SFX and the Canik Mete SFT. But as I mentioned before, there's much more coming soon. Thanks for watching, and you can find out more about the Pro Series and all Canik products at CanikArms.com and CanikUSA.com. And don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can be informed of all the latest Canik news. And as always, stay safe and stay tuned. All right, so let's let's talk archery. Let's let's talk a little bit about archery. I don't really necessarily want to get into the history and all that because uh, I'm I'm contemplating maybe doing a, a whole like series on archery, and you know we'll kind of get into that. And that's yeah, very in depth. Yeah, it, it's yeah. very in depth. So I think for for what we got going on today, uh, let's just stick with kind of what I know and, and what I'm doing, and but. I think we just talk about the basics of the you know the parts of the bow and how they operate and the arrows and you know some of the accessories and things like that. Um, just kind of high level, we'll get into that because I know a lot of our lead heads are probably into the archery and that might be a little too mundane for them. But for me, again, this show's for me. <laughs> this is for me to learn uh, to get caught up with uh, some of our more advanced uh, archers there that that are listening to the show. So where, where do you guys think would be a good place to start with the bow or with the, with the arrow? Well, I mean, you got the arrow in the hand. So, I mean, yeah. we'll just knock that out. And then maybe like to your point, we can explain some of the differences between a traditional arrow and, you know, obviously a bolt that you're going to have there for your crossbow, which is what you got in the hand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, nomenclature would be, you know, a good thing too. What, what to call things instead of just calling this the little flighty things and, you know, this, <laughs> This is the sharp end, and <laughs> you know, we'll we'll take it from you know the way I see it in the screen here. We'll go we'll go tip to the end of it. So right. obviously, from from your tip of it there, you've got one of our Raven. That's a mechanical broadhead, right? So so obviously, when it comes to your arrows, and this is indicative whether you're talking, uh, you know, vertical, you know, bow space, you know, anything of that nature, you're going to have broadheads and you're going to have field points, right? So yeah. Field points, which I think you also had come with the kit. That's what you should use for your practice, right? When you're just out, you know, kind of target shooting, et cetera. And then obviously that mechanical broadhead, or even if it was a fixed broadhead, um, is what you would use when you're out in the field pursuing game, right? And it just comes down to one's kind of basic, simple setup to, you know, punch holes and targets and fly straight. And the other one is set to fly straight, but punch a really big, gnarly hole and take down game. Yeah. Um, and like everything, level of there's a blue bazillion varieties of broadheads and field mm -hmm. tips out there that you can use. They come in different weights and shapes and functionalities. I was trying to get this one to open, and I don't want to slice my finger open, but um, <laughs> the way this broadhead works is uh, once it's released... 
then this opens up and flies through there yeah, and then it will go into the, the you got the two little points there that, that you know that will interact with the hide and the flesh of the animal right and the pressure on that as that arrow as that bolt enters the animal it's going to force those to flip up so that's going to take it to i think it should be about a two to two and a half inch diameter you know yeah. i think these are two is what would be created i think these were two inch i can't remember but yeah, but it's a hundred grain, hundred grain, uh, two inch, whatever they, what do they call those? Uh, yeah, that one's a mechanical broadhead. Mechanical broadhead. Yep. There you go. Mechanical one thing broadhead. that I would note is make sure that your field points and your broadhead are the same grain, because if you're practicing with a one twenty five and you sight your bow into a one twenty five and you go to a hundred grain broadhead, well, it's going to shoot off every single time. Yeah. So make. Yep. Sure line together just like uh we we tell you when you're sighting in your rifles uh you know you want to use the ammo and of course sometimes you can't do that with the arrows on the target because some of these targets you can't shoot the the broadheads into and and safely get them out but yeah that makes good sense so thanks for bringing that up ben well to to note to that a lot of times these mechanical broadheads especially um the Raven broadheads, they fly just like your field point flies. So there's no difference whatsoever. Um, you know, there's other brands too that do the same thing, but yeah. a lot of times your mechanicals are going to fly exactly the same. And I have a lot of experience with the Raven broadheads. I've killed a lot of deer with them. Um, and they fly the, I mean, I've sighted in with my field point and dead deer exactly where I put it with uh with the mechanicals and they've done a great job performed very well nice so yeah and so. that's there's a lot of r d that's gone into the raven broadheads as well as the center point broadheads to to just like ben called it out it's maximizing you know that flight path of the arrow right consistency in that arrow or that bolt is is going to be impacted a lot by what type broadhead you choose so right it's, it's just like a, a rifle bullet versus, you know, a handgun bullet. That rifle bullet flies truer, right? Because it's got a, you know, a broader point mm -hmm. or, or a, a finer point. It's got the boat tail that all helps it in flight. It's the same thing with your broadhead. You know, if you get a three blade fixed, all of that's causing wind resistance, which affects, you know, the trajectory and the trueness of flight of the arrow. So, right. so yeah, I highly recommend whether it's, you know, a center point or a Raven or if you've got other brands, look to use the broadhead when it comes to getting out there and pursuing your game look to use a broadhead that they recommend with their product Good and to that point you know you don't want it like for example my raven i can't shoot just any broadhead because of the feet per second if you're shooting that fast and it's a broadhead that can't handle that speed it will open in flight and then it will not fly true yeah. So that's, that's why I go with the Raven broadhead with the Raven bow because it is engineered. I believe, Brandon, it's 15 pounds or something like that to pop it open. Um, yeah. they're, um, they're set to work with those crossbows that are rated to where it will not pre-deploy in flight when you're talking over 450, you know, 400 to 450 to 500 feet a second. And, and, and that's a legit thing. It's crazy to think. But, yeah, that's how fast these bolts are moving. You could pre-deploy – a, a lower end broadhead that's not rated, you know, yeah. for the bow. And on the packaging, it'll tell you uh, what they're rated for. So you want to make sure you know what your bow 
uh, is ready for them. We're talking crossbows uh, at the moment. Now, I would assume this works the same with compound bows too. Same philosophy. Uh, compound bows are, are all pretty similar. I mean, you're going to have some that are your speed bows, if you will. Um, and they shoot a little bit faster, but uh, most of the time with a compound, you are not shooting in the 450 to 500 feet per second realm. You're in the 280s to 310s. Yeah. You know, it's not a, not a, I mean, you're talking, you know, we're looking at a huge gap in feet per second there. Yeah. So, so with my compound, I, I shoot a compound too, uh, but I can just buy any mechanical broadhead that works fine. You know, okay. but, uh, so you don't I, not necessarily specific when it comes to the compound bows, then. No, not really, not okay. at all. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want to talk about: two differences between the compound and the and the crossbows, and you know, that's another reason why I wanted to get you both on here that we could you know kind of differentiate and pros and cons of you know people thinking about maybe getting into it that haven't got in, like myself. I just thought it would be easier for me, especially since the season was upon me. Uh, since I haven't done the archery before, if I got a compound bow, I wouldn't feel confident that I could get proficient enough with it to go out and hunt this season with it. But with a with a crossbow, um, that learning curve, I guess, uh, proficiency curve dramatically drops to where, you know, I took it out on a weekend and, you know, I was, you know, had everything down pat. No, not a problem. Didn't feel like I would ha- be unethically hunting, you know, taking it out. Um, just like sighting well, a rifle, basically. Yeah, I'll say this. Either way, whether you like crossbows or not, they put meat in the fridge. <laughs> they accomplish. That's what I'm about is putting meat in the fridge. That's right. I don't right. care about you know, looking cool. I just like feeding my babies and my wife and myself. Now, I love eating that middle. So, you know, <laughs> that's the way I look at it is any opportunity you have to increase your odds take it <laughs> yeah and that's exactly what was going through my mind is you know and plus getting into archery extends the season because archery season starts before muzzle or, or rifle season and it just it it ex- oh, and in yeah. the state of tennessee it comes in the end of august for three days for a velvet hunt and then it doesn't open back up till the end of September. But still, you have three days in August to go and shoot a beautiful buck. And let me tell you something. The state of Tennessee has some great whitetail hunting. Oh, it yeah. It is a sleeper. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't want that to get around. <laughs> we don't well, want that getting around. Right where I'm sitting, they can come here and see me. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's another thing. Like, you know, we're talking about filling the freezer you know, because, I mean, I think that's that's a huge part of, you know, the archery world, and especially when it comes to those who are using crossbows, is extending that season for that reason. And I know in our state, you know, if you're working with somebody who's doing a lot of game management on their property, right, well, you don't want to get out there and potentially shoot a doe. You know, you're going to have a lot of doe tags, but you don't want to shoot your doe after the rut because you don't know if she had that time with that big, beautiful buck on your property. Yeah. So you don't want to take that chance. I so passed up six, get out six doe this freezer meat early season. Yeah, I passed up six doe this weekend while I was hunting. Uh, Why? You're not <laughs> the unborn fawn and the doe you see what i'm saying yeah there's more does there i can promise you that well there was other reasons why i didn't shoot them either they were out of range but (laughs) (laughs) 
If I was uh, a little a little more proficient with my crossbow, I would may have taken those shots. But anyway, right. so we're talking about the arrows. So we did the yep. uh, the broadheads. Oh, another thing I wanted to ask about the the different uh, tips. Are there certain broadheads for certain game? I mean, that gets into a philosophical point, you know, when it comes to the broadheads, again, that we have rated for the Raven, they're, they're rated all the way up to some of the largest game, you know, up to dangerous game. So they, they will deploy. Uh, you don't need to go more robust. Now, when you get into the vertical archery space, right, especially if you're talking traditional versus compound, um, you'll have a lot of guys in the traditional space that want to use a two blade fixed. Um, they feel it's best for flight. They feel it gives them the best impact and penetration. Again, to Ben's point, because you're working with slower velocity, so different things come into play there. Um, so so for, for the sake of crossbows, no. For the sake of your vertical archery setup, yes, because it's going to depend on what you're doing yeah. um, and what you're going after, what your bow's rated at, all types of different uh, things that you'd need to kind of take the time to research and study and, and sure. test out for yourself on your targets sure. and see what makes sense. And there's there's all kinds of different bows out. I mean, when you say compound bow, there's recurve bows, there's mm-hmm. you know, there's different and it's the same thing, there's cro- there's different types of crossbows as well. And I want to talk about that a little bit later, but um, let's let's get through the arrow here first. So the broadheads yep. they screw in and screw out for the most part, mm, yeah, right? Yeah, they it, screw into your insert there. And so that one that you've gotten, that center point's just a just a traditional machined aluminum insert. Um, you will see some people who want to. There are certain hunters, you know, especially in the vertical bow space and the traditional bow space, that want to add weight to the front of their arrow. Um, and, and there's all different types of logic and reason why you would do that. Um, so there's brass inserts that add weight, etc., um, that you can do. But for the sake of what you got there in front of you, you're looking at just a standard aluminum insert. Yeah. And then, and then that goes into your shaft, right? And well, we've got this part. Bolt. We've got this part right here. What is, let's yep, talk that's about the insert. So there's this is an insert. And mm-hmm. the function of that is what that's what your broadhead screws into. And the insert attached. Right. So this is a separate part. I mean, it can come apart, detachable. And I don't know if are, are all arrows and bolts this way. Or there's some that are that that are made differently. Is this standard part? Yeah, yeah. insert standard. Yeah, yeah. The insert is standard, but when you go to your vertical bows, uh, sometimes they have external inserts as well, and that's all just personal preference, really. Okay. Um, but th- I had one of these come off. I shot into the target, and I was pulling it out, and that part came out. This part doesn't screw in. It's it's actually. Um, um, glued in glued or yeah Adhe- yep. adhered yeah, adhesive is used to, adhesive to is used. so if it comes yep. out you have to re adhere adhere adhese ad you gotta re-glue <laughs> it you gotta re-glue that damn thing um <laughs> what do you yeah. recommend for well, that as far as a an adhesive or so, glue? so a couple things on that so first off yeah so obviously if that insert comes out you need to glue it. Most people use like a standard epoxy, right? You know, mm-hmm. an epoxy that's rated for multiple material types that it'll adhere to, right? Because you don't want to get Elmer's glue that's not going to hold on to that carbon shafted arrow yeah. and pop right back out, right? So I think most uh, most folks who would put together an arrow would recommend just a quality epoxy. 
But I will also say, if you have that happen, if you shoot an arrow and if your insert, you know, pops out, you really need to flex your shaft to make sure that you haven't actually cracked the shaft. Um, and this is something that is that is just a good best practice, whether you're talking crossbows or vertical bows, always give your shafts of your arrows a little flex to make sure you don't have a crack. Um, because if you have a crack, you could you could easily do yourself some harm. You could blow up your crossbow just with the amount of energy that's built up in that bow. And you could even have the same thing happen in, you know, in some of the higher rated, you know, velocity vertical bows. You could mm-hmm. stand to blow that up, um, you know, or you could stand to at least blow up the arrow and tear yourself up. And that's just going to be a bad day all around. It's not worth it. Good point. Good point. So on to that, let's talk about uh, the shaft. Is that what we're? Yep. So then the shaft of the arrow and that example you got there, that's one of our center point ones. Um, so there's all different types of nuances when it comes to this. So an arrow for a vertical bow, typically it's going to be longer, right? You are going to, in a vertical bow, you're going to have your own draw length with which draw length is, is different between individuals, right? You should appropriately go get sized when coming to. It's got to do with your, your wingspan, right? How long yeah, your arms so, are. somewhat. Your wingspan is affected by it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, Ben might you know he might draw out at uh, what are you thirty five, thirty six, Ben, maybe even more. Thirty on the dot. Thirty on the. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So you know, and and I'm like I like mine set up in like the twenty seven, twenty eight. You know, that's just typically where I'm at. Um, and so again, that that draw length on a vertical bow is going to affect the length of the shaft of your arrow, right? Whereas bolts, when we're talking crossbows, are usually more standardized, right? Now, you're, you could have different size crossbows that use different size bolts, and we can get into all that. But typically, a bolt is dramatically shorter than an arrow that's used in a vertical bow. Okay. And the ones I'm using are 20-inch mm-hmm. um, bolts. Which is pretty standard bolt for the and, crossbow, right? And can You're bolt see that an arrow be interchanged when we're talking about crossbows, or is it always a bolt when we're talking about crossbows? It's, yeah, it, and you know, nomenclature, you know, changes between people, but I've always called a bolt a bolt for a crossbow, and an arrow an arrow, whether I'm talking a recurve or a traditional bow yeah. or a compound or any well, other. It's one of those things of. that, you know, as I'm getting into this, I want to make sure I'm calling stuff the right stuff because... You know, like calling a, a magazine a clip, uh, you know, right. or it just shows ignorance to, to some extent, not always, but uh, yeah. to some extent. So I want to make sure that we get, you know, the, the nomenclature right. And last episode we had uh, John Hollister on, we were talking about suppressors. You know, some people mm-hmm. call them, some people call, or I'm sorry, silencers. Some people call them suppressors. Uh, some people call them cans. Some people call them uh, sound moderators. But the the term is silencer. They're silencers is the term. Yeah. But, well, it's, I think it just helps if you say bolt versus arrow, then typically people are going to understand you're talking about yeah, a crossbow yeah. versus talking about something in the vertical bow space. Yeah, I so guess it's just that. a good way to you know delineate or differentiate between the two categories of archery. Absolutely, absolutely. So bolts. Yeah, to uh, you're looking at the shaft of an arrow you know there's different grades 
of arrow uh, that you can get and masquerade is usually going to be your straightest option for everything uh, and it'll fly the truest i mean i know that for a fact on uh, vertical bows I, brandon is that the same in crossbows yep yeah you're gonna have what they call right and it's it's tolerances in the, in the machining right so they call it the straightness of the shaft um, mm -hmm. which is a, a very well-known thing when it comes to vertical bows you're gonna have the same thing in crossbows so you're gonna hear a 0.006 straightness you're gonna hear a 0.003 straightness and then you you know all the way up to like a 0.001 um, and that's a plus or minus tolerance right so in other words that's how consistently straight the arrow is so the the smaller that number means the more consistent and tighter the shaft straightness is which does does affect flight i'm glad um, you brought that up because I, yeah. when i was looking at the bolts in the stores and i was seeing those numbers i didn't know what mm -hmm. that number meant so i didn't know if that was yep. something to do with the weight or whatever but that's just to do with the tolerance uh, of how straight it is yes correct yeah okay so on average you're gonna like a, a bow or an arrow that you could practice with you know be a 0 0.006 or a 0 0.003 um and then you know, when it comes to hunting, you'd want to definitely be using no less than a .003. Um, and if you're, you know, taking longer shots consistently with your crossbow or even your vertical bow, you, you probably, or if you're worried about windage, things of that nature, you know, uh, you might want to go into that .001 category to, to just, you yeah. know, give yourself that much more of an advantage. And then as a, I guess, obviously, the more straighter you're getting the more cost we're looking at probably no yes yes okay. uh, and that's that's how, exactly how it works okay just and then just grain weight you no know, so you brought that up right so you got the grain weight of your your field point your broadhead but then your arrow also has a grain weight and that is something that comes into play again whether you're talking crossbows or vertical bows and it's a that's that's probably the next to the broadhead that's your biggest impact right okay so again if you're going after larger game, you can find heavier grain weight, you know, shafts as well as broadheads and all of that, right? It's, it's no different than in the traditional firearm space using a 200 grain bullet versus a 250 grain bullet, right? Well, the 250 grain bullet's going to move slower, but it's going to have a lot more punch, right? It's got a lot more kinetic energy built up in it. It's, it's the same concept when it comes to your arrows or your bolts. A heavier broadhead and a heavier shaft will give you more kinetic energy that is transferred into to your game. Okay. For example, I wouldn't go hunting elk with a 300-grain arrow. Uh, <laughs> right. Just would not do that. I would want a 500-grain arrow or heavier to go hunt elk with archery tackle. Because it's a thicker hide and it needs more punch. Yes, it does. The weight helps it get where it needs to go. Yeah. And that being said, when I was earlier when I was talking about the the broadheads, would there be a, a preferred broadhead for a, a big elk versus you know a whitetail? Or just looking at the same broadheads, now, other than the weights. Yeah. Other yeah, than raven, the weights. I mean, I I would shoot my raven broadheads at an elk. Absolutely would. Mm -hmm. What about a bear? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Is a is an elk thicker not, can, than a bear? Elk's gonna weigh a whole lot more than a bear. Yeah, it's gonna weigh yeah. more, yeah. But as far as the the yeah. the hide and the skin, 
Uh, probably, I would probably say an elk's hide is thicker than a bear's. Probably, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's more like a cow when you. But I mean, those those animals weigh twelve hundred pounds. You know, yeah. Um, those like, broadheads are rated for for hogs too, right? And hogs are going to have some of the thickest hide when you factor in the thickness of their actual skin plus that fat shield that they're going to build up underneath around their you know vitals. Um, so yeah, so. So in that, it gets into the philosophy, right? So that's the, the beauty of the crossbow is not just the consistency in shooting them, right? Uh, because it is a little more of that rifle-esque platform, um, which allows you to be more consistent with it. But the velocities, right? The velocities help you. That's a lot of what's going to help you take down the game. Because, um, again, vertical bows, I think some of the fastest in the vertical compound space are between – 350 to 400 maybe i think maybe even 300 375 i haven't seen uh, the latest to see what they've gotten up to but your average crossbow now 400 is kind of you know almost a starting point right 385 to 400 is a starting point for a yeah. crossbow and like when you when you look at you know the ravens and some of the other ones on the market now you're you're talking 500 you know feet a second is very consistent yeah. so the the additional amount of kinetic energy and that bolt even though it's smaller even though it's a little bit lighter, even though that broadhead's, you know, only a hundred, you know, hundred grains, it's kind of like saying, right, shooting, you know, a 22 long rifle versus shooting a 5.56. Yeah. They're both and I want to get into caliber. <laughs> mechanics um, of, of the bows and because, because what, you know, each year it seems to be more technological advancements to, to be able to get the, those faster feet per second speeds not only in in crossbows but in vertical bows as well and uh that's something just remind me i want to i've got a question i want to ask about that when we get to it uh so the shafts um different materials also that we're that we're looking at um talk about different materials that that you want to look for uh and uses maybe maybe different materials good for something versus another one yeah, you know, I think different different purposes maybe. So when it comes to the crossbow space, right now you're pretty much just going to see carbon or carbon fiber shafted bolts, um, and that's because that material is really the best and that's actually rated to handle strongest, the energy, strongest, lightest weight that you can right. put together. Correct. Now, when you get into the vertical bow space, right, or traditional archery, you'll even see people who there's still aluminum shafts, arrows that, that are out there, and you can even do wood wood shaft. You know, a lot of guys who yeah. are in the traditional space use a wood shaft with original feather fletching, which is, you know, where it all started ben, from. Ben, why are you laughing that, at aluminum? <laughs> that's what I'd recommend. It brings back a great memory of uh, I was deer hunting in this camp, and, uh, heck, I was 16 years old, and, I couldn't find any arrows and the ammo for my rifle at the time was sold out. So I just went in dad's closet and raided a bunch of aluminum arrows, uh, took them to camp with me, ended up shooting a deer. And I was the only man in camp that killed a deer during gun season. And this whole <laughs> man was just sitting there in the corner heckling everybody. <laughs> and I just thought it was hilarious <laughs> with old aluminum arrows. Uh, they get the job done, right? I mean, apparently... I Apparently, people were killing deer with them before, you know. Oh, yeah, you them. Now you talked about wooden ones as well. I've seen some things on uh, the interwebs where people, you know, 
can make their own and they're you know talking about using wood and I don't think we probably recommend wood for a, a crossbow would you because of the the pressure that they're just, going yeah. through not rated not rated for the velocity and the energy um, even a lot of your compound bows nowadays the, the faster ones it's just it's it's tough um, a lot of that you see is going to be in the traditional archery space when it comes to using a wood shaft arrow yeah um, so other aluminum, carbon fiber, that's pretty much the, nothing else they're made out of. I mean, yeah, I don't know what that's else. That's all I can think of off the top of my head. Those other than like main a three that you'd see. polymer, yeah. some kind of polymer. I don't know. Uh, aluminum wrapped in carbon, um, for a heavier grain arrow too. You, uh, I'm pretty sure there's some of those out there. Um, but as far as any other materials, I'm pretty sure it's just aluminum and carbon and more so carbon than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you never know. I mean, right, there's innovations as materials improve and strengthen. I think mm -hmm. you had just mentioned polymer. I, I can't yeah. think of one today, not to say that maybe there's not somebody out there who has one. So I don't want to I don't want to start up the keyboard warriors on that. But uh, but for sure, uh, those are the three main materials. And when it comes to our crossbows, I would pretty much only recommend, you know, a carbon fiber or a carbon aluminum, you know, blended shaft would be the only way I would go. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So I was just looking uh, to see if there are any carbon, or uh, what I say, polymer. Polymer arrow. And I'm sure. Yeah, there's, there's none that, like I said, none that I can think of. But again, people are innovating materials into new spaces all the time. Yeah, just because I haven't heard of it doesn't mean it's not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, some people that are listening and like I said, we weren't going to get into the history, but you know, in the, in the early days, you know, when the bow and arrow first came out, they, they used wood, they were using wood. Yeah. Yeah. And stone. As and they use uh, bamboo shafts too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, hey, one thing I wanted to touch on too, that we yeah. kind of came up when we were talking about the broadhead um, as far as, you know, having to switch it or what you could use it on, you know, for game. Uh -huh. um, if you go, if you got a second, you could do a screen share. You could go to the Centerpoint Archery page. Yeah, let me And our brand manager, Kevin, uh, back here in June was actually up. I think he was up in D.C., up in Canada, uh, and shot him a massive black bear up there with his, uh, with his 430. On your Instagram uh, or used, your website? Uh, Instagram. Center, I know what's up on Instagram. Centerpoint Graham. Here, let me share my yep. screen here. Do the Centerpoint Graham, and then you'll see it. Yeah, he shot a beauty of a black bear, and he used his 430 with, with the same arrows you were using for your hunt and the same uh, same mechanical broadheads, and he had no problem taking that bad boy down. So for you leadheads, uh, it's yeah. uh, Centerpoint underscore archery on the grams. Yep. And let's go down. Keep going a little bit. Let's see. There it is. There it is, right there in the middle of your screen. There. Yep. Look at that. Yeah. Big old bear, boys. So, and that was that was one bolt, you know, and bear down, man. So. And he used so that, the. I mean, the wrath you want to know how big of a game can you shoot with that? With the exact setup you've got there in your hand, well, you could take down game just like that, no problem. Yeah, well, and he was using 
Was he using the Raven broadheads? Uh, I'm not sure if he was using Raven or Centerpoint. Okay. I, I, I quite honestly, that's the one I couldn't answer. I'm going to guess he was using the Centerpoint ones, but uh, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a big bear right there. Where was that? I think that was in British Columbia. I want to say is where he was at. Okay. I know it was Canada, but I, but I, I think I, I think that's the province it was. Canada. He was up in Canada. <laughs> yep. The Canute. This is what I want to shoot. I want to shoot one the of elk. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too. Do you guys? <laughs> either of you follow Eva Shockey? Yeah. Did you yep. see that? That monster she took down? Oh, yeah. That thing was huge. Let me, uh, Beautiful. I have to say this, though, and it may upset some people, but Axis is far better than an elk. <laughs> Look at that. Throw that out there. That, that was the muley she shot, but I think she's she shot a huge elk, too, or was pursuing one. Or Well, here, mm-hmm. this is – so she did a video, and I think this might be the video – Right here, where it was bedding down, and they saw mm-hmm. the antler. Here, yeah, up to it. It's like that's just, that's unreal. <laughs> it's just, yeah. You see that there? He's like yeah. somebody put that there, but that's one bed. Yeah. You're that, like, no, that can't be real. <laughs> I wonder if she shot it first, and they just they placed it over there. Well, it depends on uh, <laughs> if it stands up and. It- because it don't, it ain't moving yeah. at all right there. You would think it would no, hear them. Oh, no. Or see them. I tell you, we used to pheasant hunt when I was a kid in uh, Kansas, and we'd be walking fields for for ringnecks, and and you'd come up on some huge white tails that are just bed down like that, and it's, sometimes you'd see them like that. The really big boys, you'd just see those little tips of ivory sticking out of you know the long grass or field grass or whatever you know wherever they were bed down. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was that was interesting because I saw that video first, and then I saw that picture of her with it. I was like, mm-hmm. I bet they shot it first and they staged that. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm not I'm not accusing her of anything. So I just oh uh, no just no no seemed a little too convenient. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> While I'm on the grams, uh, you guys can uh, can look up Ben. Um, yep. He he is uh, Benjamin, and you should the just pop up hunter. the duck hunter. Is his personal one. Um, it's Benjamin the Duck Hunter, and then uh, you can go to at Rooted underscore Television um, for his TV show post. Yep. You can go there, and you're on. You said you're on. You do the show on YouTube. Is that where we watch it, or is there a, a station? Masio for right now. Say it again. YouTube and Masio Go. Okay, Masio Go. I like that. Mm-hmm. Very good. So we're we're moving down the arrow. Let's let's move through the arrow a little quicker because I want to get to the bow. Okay. That's I mean that's that's the main thing. Uh, I think we spent way too much time on the the arrow. So we got the shaft, and then we've got these little thingies right here that are called the flights. Fletching uh, or fletchings. I'm sorry, yeah. fletchings. Where did I get flight? What's Fletching a flight? You... I don't know where flight. I've never heard flight? that term before. Oh. Badminton. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. Only you would bring badminton to this show. Hey, <laughs> I, I connect everything with the 2A community. Even badminton, baby. <laughs> For all you tactical 2A badmintoners out there. Um, 
So here we're we're at the uh, the fletchings here. Yeah, so fletching are a lot of times you also hear them called veins. So we use on on those. I think those are blazer veins that you're you got on that arrow there in front of you. Okay, I'm not right. Sure. So that's actually what is going to cause the arrow to fly. Right, without your fletching or without your veins, your your arrow does not really go in any of the direction you want it to go. Um, and if you actually look at slow mo video of an arrow in flight the veins right or that fletching is what causes that arrow to rotate it gives it its spin which helps its you know flight stay true right much like the the spin that the rifling of a of a barrel puts on a bullet i like to compare it to an airplane wing it gives it it stabilizes it it's a stabilizer yeah stabilizes it big time that's yeah they're stabilizers best way to say it yeah, and you can also put, like on conventional archery, you can put um, a more of a helical on those veins or fletching, and it'll give it a harder spin. The one thing you have to do is figure out which way your arrow naturally rotates out of the bow. Uh, best way to do that is take a little Sharpie and knock the, knock the arrow in the bow, mark it on the top, and then when you shoot it, you shoot it with no veins, no fletching or anything like that, and you're like two foot from the target. And then you can see which way that it goes because depending on who makes the string, if they're left-handed or right-handed, that's the way the arrow is going to spin out of the boat. Whether it's clockwise or counterclockwise. Gotcha. Yeah. That's that's a neat trick. I like that. Yeah. All right. And, and then so these are interchangeable got- too, right? Correct. Yeah, those are... You know, when when people fletch their arrows, right? You know, it's just again, it's it's a it's an adhesive that's used. Um, I don't want to necessarily say it's an epoxy. There's all different types of adhesives. I think yeah. people use or people prefer, but it really comes down to several things, right? You've got the the size or the length of you know your vein you're fletching, right? So when you're thinking like the guys who hunt in the traditional archery space who use feathers, there's five inch, you know fletching there's four inch there's three inch when you get into the vertical bow space and compound bows and crossbows you're going to see much like what you have there three veins right you're going to have you know kind of your two that are one color one that's odd that all helps you with the orientation that you set the arrow or the bolt in the crossbow or you knock it in a vertical bow um it's it's a it's a color reference, if you will, to make sure you've got it on there properly. Yeah. Because there is a proper way to put an arrow or a bolt on a on a vertical bow or on a crossbow. And and we'll get into the knock here uh, in just a second. But these yep. come in different materials as well. You can get in different mm-hmm. sizes too, right? Correct. Yeah. To get so different saying, flight so, patterns. Yep. When you're shooting a like say a, a traditional recurve bow, um, because you're shooting off the actual shelf of the bow itself, and it's it's, you know, typically those bows are a wood or some type of composite material. Those people to not affect the flight of their arrow use traditional feather fletching, right? Because the feather will compress up against the wood and not impact. Whereas that, that's more of like kind of like a rubber or like a polymer. Mm-hmm. It, if it was in there wrong, it could hit the side or hit the riser of the bow and affect the flight of the arrow. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're talking a compound bow, right or a crossbow the way that the arrow or the bolt knocks into you know the bow itself 
there's clearance around those veins to allow them to fly, fly true and not hit anything, you know, impacting their flight. Right. And these kind of, you can, there's some that have four. Are there any that come yep. with two? Is two? No, minimum I've ever seen is three. Yeah. Okay. I've basically only seen three and four, and four yep. is so for uh, extreme uh, steadiness on that. And what I mean by that is for the guys that are wanting to shoot, you know, 100 yards, 70 yards, stuff like that, I don't feel comfortable shooting that far with a compound. Now, that old Raven, now, let me tell you something, I'll just send it. <laughs> Right on out there. I'm not even worried about that. Yeah. But uh, as far as a compound goes, uh, you know, you re- there's really, for me, there's no need for a four-flex arrow because the three with the helical does just fine for what I'm using it for. Good point. All right. So anything else we want to say about the fletching? The veins? No. Nope. Nope. I, think, I think we hit it all. Okay. I do too. Uh, so let's move to the knock. Another yep. important, so then you have the knock. Very important so piece. The knock when it comes to crossbows and vertical bows is where you're going to have right some of the biggest difference. The knock on a traditional bow is actually going to have more of like a, a C shape to it because it's actually going to clip on to your bowstring, mm-hmm. right? That's That's how it's held in there. Whereas a crossbow, since that arrow is kind of riding on the rail of the crossbow, or in Raven case, we've got, you know, kind of a free float system, but it still has the arrow supported. So what you see there is a half, what we call a half moon knock, right? Kind of looks like a moon. You I know, call it Pac-Man. Half, uh, you know. or, or Big Mouth Bass. <laughs> or Pac-Man. Some Pac- people say Pac-Man, Pac-Man. Yeah, Big Mouth Bass, Pac-Man. Yeah. Big mouth. Um, so you're going to see that half moon knock is being pretty consistent with most of your railed, um crossbows now ravens as we talked about ravens it's a proprietary technology and where a lot of that accuracy comes in from is ravens arrows free float in that system so in other words that arrow shaft and that arrow is not riding on a rail it is actually there it's a special proprietary knock that we've developed for that so that arrow knocks into the bowstring on a raven and it free floats and you have two little rollers out at front that just support the very tip of the, the bolt until you fire it and then right it's going. Yeah. And we're so gonna again, show that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna pull the crossbow yep. up here in just a second. Uh, but like all the other things, there's different variety varieties of these. There's different functionalities. Like the one I'm holding up right now is an illuminated one. It mm-hmm. lights up right. uh, after you shoot it. And the one I'm actually holding up right here, I was I sent Brandon a picture of this um, I went ahead and snapped it off. But oh, gosh, you broke it. Yeah, I know. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have to consciously, because I've get I've gotten so proficient with my crossbow, um, robbing hooding, you know, our, your arrows with a crossbow is a, is real, you know. And I've three arrows I've done this to now, so I have to consciously not try to be so accurate. So I just aim somewhere else, you know, and know. So – you know, if I take a picture of my arrows and they're spread out a little bit, that's the reason why. It's because these things aren't cheap either. You know, <laughs> they cost money. So, talking about the knock there, if you add an illuminated knock to an uh, arrow that has not had one, it is going to change the weight of the overall arrow. Good point. So, that in mind, 
when you're sighting in your bow, if you midstream put in a lighted knock, illuminated knock, then you need to make sure that you shoot that bow with that knock to make sure you're on the target 100% because, I mean, it could throw you off. I mean, any, any grain change in your arrow from what you're dialed in on can change the whole game. That's a good point. Yeah, and that's a big reason why, much like with the broadheads, where we recommend you using, you know, our branded broadheads for consistency and shot, it's the same thing with the arrows because that lighted arrow that you have there, to Ben's point, with the field practice arrows that come with it, we maintain that grain weight throughout. There has been that adjustment to it. So that way you get consistency in shot. You get consistency in grain weight of the arrow all the way from the broadhead through the knock, so long as you're using, you know, the supplied 100, 100 grain, you know, broadheads with it. Or, right. or whatever broadhead you do buy, if you're using 100 grain, then you're going to be spot on. Right. So as I was saying, I, I Robin Hooded this one. That's how that broke. Um, so to replace these, how? because we were talking about, you know, these other things, you have you, adhesive here, adhesive here, and this just screws in on the broadhead. What, uh, what's the procedure for replacing your knocks yeah so usually your knocks just press in um there they have a there's like a little molded part to it that holds it into the shaft via pressure right and that's specifically important with those lighted knocks because you want to actually the way that knock illuminates is that pressure kind of forcing it down hits the little you know or makes the connection inside Mm -hmm. that illuminates it but when you're done, if that arrow that arrow is probably still good, you can actually use what they call as a knock puller that will help you just unseat that knock just ever so slightly, which will de-illuminate it. Okay, It'll so I just pulled this one out. Stop the connections inside. So there's a little wire yep. and there's a connect. So this is the connector that's up in there. Mm-hmm. It looks like. Um, there's a little wire right there, but I just pulled that out right now for our viewing audience. And then I would just pop another one in there. I'd buy a pack of these. They right. come in like three and six packs. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, the depending, I think, I think you're probably going to find a six pack as being the smallest. Um, dozens probably going to be very common, right? Most people, you know, you recommend that people buy their arrows in sixes or dozens um, for consistency, right? Because there's a lot of consistency, kind, kind of like a box of ammo, right? right. You're, you're, Usually a box of ammo is going to be very consistent. You're going to want to buy your arrows in that same lot amount. Yeah, your arrows. But I was just talking about your knocks. You can get your knocks. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. these are sold separate. Uh, if your mm-hmm. arrow didn't come with it, you can switch out. If I wanted to switch these out and put the illuminated ones in, I could do that. Uh, you just, could, but that to Ben's point, that's where you need to be mindful of if if the, the arrow didn't come and the weight, the grain weight wasn't recommended, yeah. With that illuminated knock, you would want to weigh that arrow to yeah. make sure that you haven't affected your overall grain weight. Yeah, keep keeping that in mind. But again, just for you can pull it out, you can switch them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. there's different colors too. This is a green one. There's other, you know, there's a different colors and mm-hmm. uh, again, variety out there. Variety is the spice of life. So, and with <laughs> with uh, certain crossbows, as to to Ben's point earlier, you know, there's certain broadheads that you have to use with the Raven arrows. Um, so, you know, check your manufacturer of your, 
your crossbow to see what they recommend because there are aftermarket arrows out there and other accessories, but you want to find out what's compatible with yours and make sure it's compatible before you buy it. Um, yeah, anything else that, about that arrow bolts that we need arrows or bolts that we need to talk about? And I'll no, assume that I mean, the, I think we've, this is the same with, uh, with arrows as it is with bolts, right? The knocks and it is it absolutely is. Okay. Good deal. So let's get to the, uh, the bows now. Let's talk about the bows. Um, all right. And, you know, for reference point, I've got a crossbow here. And, again, there are a blue bazillion different designs on crossbows. And as technology advances, so does the, uh, the mechanisms that operate them. And, you know, the cam systems and the buffers and, again, the materials that they're made out of uh, becoming more and more advanced. Um, and lighter they're becoming you know a lot lighter too more compact as the one that i've been using is the center point um 430x the the wrath and uh it's very compact it even has a collapse collapsible or not collapsible it does it is collapsible it's adjustable buttstock yeah. and it uh it folds if I could fold it here. Well, that's handy. I don't ever fold it, but you can. <laughs> I promise you, you can. Well, it's so small. It's the R29. I can just about put it in my pocket. Oh, I was pushing it the wrong way. So there it's you like go. It's like a lightning rod. So very, very compact. So for you tree stand hunters, which I do really? some of that. Uh, or if you're in a tight confined space and I could still operate it from with a with the the folded stock there so it's just like you you know your ARs or your AKs that have the um, the folding butt stocks but this thing's already so compact but look how much more compact that makes it and <clears throat> and I could cock it from this position now it's considered a pistol bow <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get it. It's a short, short barrel bow. Yeah, that's right. Short I gotta bow. get a, a NFA. No tax stamp needed. <laughs> Thank God. But, yeah. um, and again, there's different sizes too. There's the Raven, I'm sure, uh, is the one that you have is probably pretty compact and light. It's probably a little bit longer, maybe a little bit longer than this. Uh, but that's the good thing about this adjustable buttstock on this one, where a lot of them are fixed. And you know, diff everybody's got different wingspans, different arm lengths, and eye relief is the big thing when you're using the scopes. Uh, this will get you the eye relief that you need uh, for that. So, um, let's. Where do you think a good place to start with uh, the parts of a bow? Let's just let's just start with this one. Let's start yeah, the butt, I mean, the butt we'll, stock. We'll just do front front to back like we did on. Let's do back on the to front as well. I want to do back. You to want to do back to front? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So obviously, depending on the crossbow, so this one in specific, you have that folding stock. It's also an adjustable stock. Um, and, and there's two different types of, of stocks overall on crossbows, right? So some of them have an adjustable like you have there, but then some of them are molded and fixed and they're more like a bullpup, right? So when you look at like the RAF 430, which is an alternate version of that one. It's a little bit shorter. It's got more of a traditional true bull, bullpup style stock. It's all fixed. 
Um, so again, that just comes down to personal preference, yeah. right? And another point uh, advantage of this is you can change this this butt stock out. It's it comes off. It's just like an AR, just like your AR rifle. And if you've got Correct. and I tested it, and it's it Magpul fits on here. Mission First Tactical fits on here, which is what what I prefer. Um, you can put different uh, butt stock, but I really like the butt stock that comes on. It's really comfortable. It's got yeah. the pad on it. It's lightweight, mm -hmm. and it's got this cheek uh, riser yeah. adjuster on it. Too. Yeah, your cheek riser, and your, to get a better cheek weld there, that comb is is adjustable. You can get vertical with it if you want to. So, yeah. I mean, yes, it, you could swap it out, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I believe your grip there should be have the ability to be switched out with any traditional so here's AR. The, and here's grip. the thing that I haven't tested yet. I have taken it off, and it does come off. And as far as fitting them on there, I think it does. But I'm not sure the screw hole is the, ah, I got you. Is the same. So I haven't tested haven't that yet. Yeah, I haven't tested okay. that yet. Uh, but the benefit of doing that would be, again, everybody's got different hands, different uh, grips that that they like that you could switch that out with. Uh, and then mm -hmm. some of them will have storage that you could put, you know, things in. Same thing with the butt stock. Some of the butt stocks have uh, hollow ends that you could store stuff in. You know, just some different advantages maybe that people would like to go with. But the way yeah. it's come, this is stock right here. The way it comes and uh, it's phenomenal. And yeah. I love this grip that you've got on it already. It's more of a softer um, mm -hmm. polymer kind of tactile feel to it well, yeah kind of i like i compare it to an ergo if you for those who use the ergo grips uh it's it's got kind of that feel to it um soft tactile um but yeah i like it so all right go ahead so the buttstock we're talking about different uh, yes yeah, so you this go is, you're going from the buttstock right there obviously that one's got a buffer tube there there's no functionality to it that's just there to hold the buttstock on then you're going to get into basically the frame of the crossbow, right? So you've got the rails there. You're going to have obviously the grip and the trigger mechanism. And then you're also going to have there at the front end of that bow underneath, you're going to have your foregrip, right? And that specific model that you have, our, that foregrip on that model is actually mounted via pick rail. Yep. So let's say you did not like that foregrip and you had a vertical grip or some other angled grip that you wanted to use, again, that standard pick rail underneath. Yep. So you could take that off and swap that out for a foregrip that fits you. So any um, pick rail ca ca capable foregrip you could put on there. Yeah. Correct. Um, or if you wanted to take that and mount that to, you know, a plate that goes into a tripod, and then you wanted a tripod mount that, instead of having that foregrip on there, you could do that as well. Yep. Um, I've seen a lot of people do that, especially for, you know, maybe a, a disabled hunter or a youth hunter who doesn't have the, you know, the physiology to, to physically hold the bow up properly, but they can sight it and they can, you know, squeeze the trigger properly. They just need some help with the weight. Yep. Um, you know, a tripod's a great way to go too. And you could put a bipod on here also. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Put a bipod. Uh, but... You don't need it on this one because we're going to talk about that uh, with this particular. Yeah, we'll, we'll go right there. So it, yeah. on this one, right, you've got the stirrup on it. Um, and so this is kind of a unique feature um, on our Wrath 430 and 430X. You've got a foldable stirrup. So that actually folds a full 180 degrees. So you can be straight out. You can come down to 90 and then you can come completely folded under. 
um, and it locks in those three positions. So once it goes in there, you don't have to worry about it coming out. So a lot of people, when you put it in that 90 degree angle, then you can use that much like it's like having an integrated bipod in the bow itself. Absolutely. <laughs> and then when you're ready to, to reload it, you just pop that up. Yep. Locks in. If you, if you were going to do a, if you were manually cocking it, you know, with, you know, with the cocking, you know, stirrup that comes with it, then you would, you know, or with the cocking, you know, rope that comes with it, you would put that stirrup out, step on it, cock the bow. Um, obviously, this model comes with the silent crank, which is nice because that kind of goes on the end and you can just do it via that, you know, that silent crank mechanism, um, which is right a, a really, really nice feature. Yeah, the cranking systems are awesome because it's a lot easier to decock the bow as well. When you get out of the sand, you can just run it down real quick, take the pressure off the strings and the limbs and cams and all that. Uh, instead of having to physically shoot it in the ground or at a target or whatever, well, then your bow's cocked all the way to the hunting lodge or whatever have you. I mean, I, I, they do make options in, uh, for the decocking bolts. Uh, for those of you out there listening, that you can get just you just shoot it in the ground, and it it doesn't it doesn't do anything crazy. But yeah. um, but one thing I will throw in there is always make sure to check your strings and cables. Check them. Yes. Them, especially on your high-speed crossbows, but all bows, even vertical bows. Make sure you keep up and maintain your strings and cables. And we're going but, to talk about that if I don't poke myself in the eye here with the <laughs> hitting my yeah, bones. No. So, um, that, that's spot on, right? So you're going to have... You know, the main things you want to check when it comes to your strings on your crossbow is you're going to have timing dots on your cams hold on we're going to get to that we're not there yet okay once we get up to oh. those we're going to talk about those y'all jumping ahead on me here so um <laughs> so we were talking about you know the stir so we did the stir we went under we did all the under here uh yep. talked about the triggers anything anything that you want to mention about the trigger uh in the trigger group that uh is on this particular 430x no, I, I mean, your trigger boxes and your trigger groups on most of your crossbows are, I want to say, going to be completely standard. It's really going to be unique to the actual technology of, you know, of the crossbow itself. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, the trigger group that's on that center point is really going to be nothing like the trigger group on a Raven because a Raven has a completely different firing mechanism. Mm -hmm. So we could spend hours just talking about that. Um, but it's going to feel very much like a traditional rifle, right? A single stage trigger. Yeah. Some of them are two stage um, and you'll feel that. So some will have a little bit of a creep and then you'll, you'll hit that shelf and it should break nice and clean mm. just like you would on a traditional you know, bolt gun. Right. Uh, this one, this one's like you said, single stage. Now the way I've got my trigger and then my release, my release is behind my trigger. Is that typical on most crossbows? It is, it is now, and, and as where we're at in, you know, kind of the current phase of crossbows mm -hmm. where compactness is a huge key as far as, you know, premium features, you, you are seeing more of them who are bringing the trigger itself in front of the actual, you know, release. mechanism. Yeah. Release. The trigger holding release. Or, you know, holding onto the uh, string itself. Yeah. String and arrow, and string and bolt. Ben, has it been your experience that – this is the typical setup for most is the 
the yeah. release is behind the trigger there? Yeah, the one I've seen, and you know, like I said, I've, I have pretty much just used the Raven, uh, but from my experience and what I have seen, a lot of them are set up that way, and I, I've, I haven't had any issues with functionality. Um, in fact, it functions flawlessly. Every shot is yeah. is exactly right unless I pull it or something I've done. Because you were talking about bullpup design earlier that the 430 is, uh, but by definition, I mean, this is a bullpup because your, your trigger uh, is in front of uh, – your, your release, the actual, firing the actual yeah. mechanisms and everything. So, but which, which gives you the compactness. So you're able to push all that forward yep. and bring that and bring that back and just compact everything together. Um, so in keeping with that, so when we pull our strings back to cock it and is that, is that what it's called? It's called cocking. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's cocking. Yeah. All right. So you, again, I want to make sure our nomenclature is, is correct when we're talking about this stuff. <laughs> So we're cocking yep. our bow. Uh, it'll go in this this area down here, and mm-hmm. I guess that's the catch. I don't know what what do you call this? What do you call that? Yeah, I mean that that's the My that's the catch in, in that would technically be your, your your firing box, your firing mechanism. So there is a a part that will come up and grab that cable, right? That's what's actually tied ultimately to the trigger, and that's what you're depressing, you know, or releasing uh, when you pull that trigger. Yeah. So, yep, so you would come up and whether you're using the the manual cocker, right, the the rope cocking device, or whether you're using the silent crank device that comes Mm -hmm. with it, you're ultimately pulling that string back all the way back into that firing mechanism and locking it in place. And then you are going to set that bolt down into, you know, the the center Mm -hmm. of the rail. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. But this this port, there's still more parts here. Yeah. I, like, I like I get technical. So when you when you bring the string in and it gets here, it catches it, but it's also automatically putting your safety on. So that this is correct. Is, yeah. This so is you've your... got what we call it's an it's an basically it's like an anti dry fire mechanism. Yeah. So it will that that crossbow until you seat that bolt right. There's another part of that mechanism until that bolt is seated. You are not going to be able to release that string. So, in other words, it's going to prevent you from dry firing that bow. Yeah, and that's right? not typical of all crossbows. That's just that's a design that you no. guys have a feature that you yep. have on center point. Correct. That that's a that's a premium feature, and and we're, I don't want to say we're the only ones who do it, but yeah. it is on your more premium crossbows. That safety feature is going to be a you know is going to be an option, if right. you will. So some don't do it. But uh, pretty much on all of our crossbows, we have gone to that safety mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are also going to have a physical manual safety there on the side next to that uh, to that fire mechanism. Yep, yeah. your fingers, right? That little anodized green piece. And it is, uh, it is. it's ambi too, so it's on both sides on on their Correct. 430X. So I could access that from either side. But once you cock it, uh, it automatically, the safety goes on. So I, I like that feature. So fail safe. Yep. It's got a nice fail safe there, and then you physically have to push that to release it, um, just like you would your, you know, booger hook off the bang switch until you're ready to go. I don't know. It's not That's boom. Right. It's not boom with a cross crossbow or an arrow, but yeah. whoosh, I guess whoosh until you're ready to go whoosh. Whoosh. Uh, and then you've got this piece. So let's move up to the the rail, the optic rail. 
And again, uh-huh. this I don't guess all crossbows have this. Um, and maybe, yeah, it, maybe they have a different form. More and more are going that direction, right? Where you're going to see kind of it's like a cantilevered mount that has pick rail. Yeah, is what your scope's going to mount to. And then if you kind of see hanging off of that pick rail, there's a little segment there that has a little roller ball in it. And that's actually what's going to hold your bolt in place, right? Because, again, your bolt, unlike vertical bow, that half moon knock, that half moon knock is not holding on to the string, right? So that bolt could move forward, move back if you didn't have something holding it in place. So that that roller ball there is going to help hold that in place. So if you're you know moving around, your bolt doesn't come kind of flying out of the bow while you've got it cocked. Yeah, and I I just inserted one of the bolts there just to show you, and it also helps helps you to guide it and keep it keep it in place, uh, and it holds it there too. So if I'm if I've got it pointed down up sideways, the arrow isn't going to slide out. So. Hold, Correct. Holds it in place, so I like that. That's a nice feature. All right, so anything else down this area other than the, the scope mount, and that gives you the option with the pick rails. Uh, pretty much any scope on the market that's pick rail compatible uh, or accessory, you know, depending on what you want to mount there, you can put. Same thing with the under thing. I wanted to mention that with your uh, your foregrip. Um, you don't necessarily have to put a foregrip. You can put bipods. Anything that will attach to a pick rail, you can put under there. You know, we were talking about lights or maybe those forty degree, forty five degree offsets, and you could put a you know a light or a laser. Again, you got to see what's legal in your in your state. And uh, but for hunting purposes, you want to do that. You know, if you're just out wreck shooting, I don't guess it really matters what you put on there. You can put anything you want. Put yeah. a camera. Yeah. You can put a camera. You know, you can put a GoPro yeah. on there or something like that. Um, yeah, there's. Endless. A lot of people put a GoPro or, you know, maybe if you're, you know, in a state where, you know, night hunting hogs or, you know, predators is, is allowed. If you want to put like a green or a red light on it to illuminate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you can do all types of fun stuff like that with it. Yeah. And that's, I don't have my thermal right here, but, you know, I could put a thermal up here yeah. with mm-hmm. this. The one thing I would, I would suggest is with the higher speed bows, is to use an optic that is designed for the speed of that bow that you can set it to where, like the Raven, for example, it has uh, a pneumatic numbering system on a dial on the back end of the scope that I can turn based on the feet per second the bow is shooting. And that is important because everything falls under that and the, the grain weight of the arrow and all of that. So that is an important thing to keep in mind is use uh, an optic that is compatible for the bow you are using. Uh, yeah. Can y'all see my... 100%. So like if you were, if you, you know, can you change out the scope that comes with that center point? You can, but, but again, you want to make sure that whatever scope you are getting, either to Ben's point, has that adjustable to where you can make sure to dial in for the velocity Otherwise, your point of aim, point of impact will be off, and you'll have inconsistent shots. Um, so that scope is rated for you know the four thirty feet a second that we're getting with the, with the Wrath um, and the Ravens, right? So let's say you wanted to use one of the the Raven scopes. Um, we have like our sniper package 
that's got the adjustable turrets, right? It gives you the ballistic where you just got to set your windage and then you can dial your elevation just at a click, right? Yeah. The beauty of those Raven scopes is they also come with that dial that you adjust that will automatically adjust the objective based on the velocity you're getting, nice. right? And again, that comes because we have Raven crossbows that go all the way from 400 feet a second all the way up to 500. So that's that's really important to make sure that uh, your scope, the way those scopes work on crossbows, there that your accuracy is spot on. Yeah, just like a just like a rifle scope, you know. Bill yep. saying you know, if you're shooting a, a 5.56 versus a 7.62, there's there's different reticles uh, made for those specific bullets and their drops and. Uh, Correct. Right, so. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to just go try to pick up a, a rifle scope yeah. and put it on a crossbow. I wouldn't want to drop my that yeah. 308 scope I've got up here. You see over <laughs> my show, uh onto this. Yeah, you're two by twenty five on that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you, you could, I guess, if you're dialing in for you know five hundred yards. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we could send like one five hundred. Yeah, like just have to make sure the wind is not blowing. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, like anything, you know, you want to sight it in uh, and then know your reticle, know the intelligence in your reticle uh, when you're setting that in and, you know, go by the manufacturer's uh, guidelines. Yeah, so like typically it's a, a 20 yards is usually right on most. I believe that scope that you have there it should be a 20-yard sight in. And then based on the velocity that that's rated for, if you're using the appropriate bolts, you haven't changed to a heavier bolt, et cetera right? Then your other pins will be good all the way to, I think, uh, I think that scope's got 60 or 80 yards on it, I believe. Yeah. It's got four, four, four circles, but yeah. Um, and I was at 45 with it, uh, signing in my backyard here. And again, that's where I was just Robin Hood and the, the arrows. And I was like, I gotta quit doing that. <laughs> yeah. I quit oh, doing yeah. That. So I just started picking other points to, to shoot. And I was, just, it's just, accurate as can be man it's yeah insanely it's accurate and consistent second. you can go out to 100 easy no i could do i and i have and i've gone out and you know, i've i've tried it out a couple of times um my first time i tried it though i came up short and i did a little video of it i set the camera up in front of the target and um i came up short and it 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 skipped skipped yeah and you saw it in the in the frame you saw it and it popped up over the target and I had, you know, some backdrops and I had some trees and you know, stuff like that. And I went to look for it. And I did use it. I used the, the lighted one. And I thought it'd be easy to find and I couldn't find it. And I went back uh, to the property, to our farm. And it was another hundred yards. I found it like the next week. Oh, yeah. I, was, I was walking around the perimeter and I just had, I mean, it was just there and I just, I just stumbled upon it. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was, and I was, I never thought it would have gone that far, especially through all those trees and everything, but there it was. I found my, found my arrow. Yeah. I was happy. A lot of energy in that bad boy. There is a oh, lot yeah. of energy. Yeah. I'm just so. surprised it didn't stick in a tree, you know, all the tree and brush and everything. It made it, through, oh, yeah. it yeah. made it through all that and went to the other side. Yeah. That that would be my luck. It would bury up into a tree, and there would be nothing you could do with it at that point. Yeah, but I was <laughs> yeah. I was already a hundred yards out, shooting at the target. I missed it, and it was another hundred, 
It was it was about it was about maybe not at exactly a hundred, but it was close to another hundred yards out where I found it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I believe a lot of energy. All. Yeah. So just just saying. Um, yeah. So all right, let's move on. So the rail. Let's talk about the rail. Yep. And and so so right your your rail is obviously what the arrow or the bolt in this case is going to ride on. Yeah. It's gonna rest on that, right? That is that is a pretty consistent indicative component of almost every crossbow. Again, except when you're talking ravens, because ravens, it's a proprietary design. They do not use a rail; it is free floated. Um, but for most of them, right, you're going to be you're going to have that rail. Yeah, and uh, I want to talk about that free float if we have time. But we're going to stick with this for right now. So yeah, yep. this this is what uh, the arrow guides the arrow down and. And Correct. is going to keep it straight, straight and on target. Yep. Um, and your your string is going to ride on that rail as well, right? So you're going to notice you've got the actual bowstring that's going to contact the the bolt itself is going to ride on top of that rail, and that's, right? So that's ultimately how it's working is those cams are pulling that cable forward, pulling your string forward. That's what's going to force that arrow out, force that bolt out. Yep. Right. There just you like, go. Just like that, and that. And I'm not going to do it right. I'm not going to cock it uh, on the show, but um, yeah. So that would be down here. That arrow releases, and then that sucker goes ba-boom. Ba-boom, mm-hmm. right into the pump station. And then, yep. and talk- so then you've got, those are your two dampeners that you have there. And that's to, right, obviously as that cable string comes forward, to not let that string overextend and, and cause a problem. You've got those dampeners that will suppress that string and stop it. Um, and that also helps. You'll notice they're made of rubber and they've got some little wings on it. That's also to help with the vibration, yeah. right? Which is ultimately affects the quietness of the bow. Dampeners right there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And-, and so your dampeners are mounted into now what's really the working part of the bow, right? Your end, which then has your limbs and your cams. Right, so we'll take forend first. So the forend is what's actually mount mounts that front part of the bow to the rail. And, oh, and so that's a way. machined aluminum forend you got there. Let's see. Uh, no, you'll have to move that. You need to flip it back over. Okay. Yeah, you're good. I want to show that uh, bolt that it because when you get it, you got to put it together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't come, I mean, maybe you send some put together, but typically this is this whole part right here slides into the uh, railed part, and then that's the bolt that holds it uh, in there, and then right here also. Yeah, so, so center points are going to come unassembled. Your forend with your limbs and your cams and your string is going to be one part of it, and then obviously... You know, the, the the stock and the rail, you know, everything else is going to be the other part. So you will have to do some moderate assembly, and that is mounting that forend to the actual, you know, takes shaft ten minutes. of the crossbow. Takes 10 minutes. It's real quick. Quick assembly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's quick. It's super rigid. You know, it you won't have a problem. It's, it's not a complex process at all. Oh, so, all right, continue. Yeah. 
So, so you've got your fore end there, and then obviously the limbs are mounted to that. So your limbs are what is kind of coming down to the side, right? So that's the part, and the limb is is held on via brackets to to that fore end, right? And then the limbs ultimately connect to the cams, which the cams are kind of those, you know, semicircular things there in between the two limbs. This right? is what so makes it cams, easier to to pull that two hundred pounds of. I don't know. Is this 200 pounds? What's the pull on this? Oh, uh, your your draw poundage? I, I want to Yeah, I'm going to say it's 180, 200, somewhere right in there, I believe. Yeah, I think I read it was 200. Back right off the top of my head. Yeah. Which on a typical, on your typical compound bow, what is that, uh, Ben? Um, I'm drawing back a 70. I mean, it goes up to 80 and, and different things like that, but... Typically, you have to get a whole different limb set up for that, and it, and it depends on the brand too that you're going with. I mean, they have bows for kids that are 10, 20 pounds, all the way up to 70, 80 pound bows. Yeah. Well, you but, know, it's just all. But in, you're not seeing a 200 pound compound bow. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Again, like we were talking about before, the the velocities that you get from a a crossbow versus a compound bow is one of the advantages of, of going with this and the compactness to get that kind of of speed um, that's right and, i mean you look at the yep. width of this one right here this is what uh like 12 inches 13 inches from cam to cam yeah so so they call it axle to axle so axle to axle when that bow's uncocked is 12 and when you actually cock it you go down to nine it comes down to nine yeah but yeah. i mean already Which it, is it super, looks like it's super tight Right now, you look at it and you think it's it's probably already cocked, but it's not. So right. you bring it in, and it brings it it makes it even more compact. Only now you said nine inches from axle to axle. Um, mm -hmm. So when you're in confined spaces, you're in a uh, you're up on a tree stand, or you're in a you know one of those smaller hunting blinds. Um, makes it really nice. Yeah, or, or if you're even out doing like, you know, the nice thing with crossbows is you can spot and stop, you know? Yep. And so Easy that to... that's really when you're seeing the crossbow market as far as like how it's evolving, it's all about, right? I mean, obviously there's there's the speed game and the velocity increase, right? But then your other big levels or your big things that are features for a crossbow is how compact it can be axle to axle, whether that be uncocked or cocked. And then obviously how compact it can be from the fore end to the you know end of the buttstock. Mm -hmm. Because that that measurement kind of from the fore end, right, from your from where your string is at rest to where your string is cocked, that's called your draw length, right? And so your draw length is one of the biggest things outside of the cams and outside of the limbs that affect how fast you can get that bow. So right, it's it's a never-ending balancing game of you can make faster crossbows, but you'd have to make them much longer to increase their draw length. Yeah. So you can have bigger cams that hold more kinetic energy. And the purpose in the cams, um, like you said, is is be able to hold more kinetic energy, but it also makes it possible for mortals to be able to pull that back too, because it takes right, a lot yeah, of that pressure off. Otherwise, you know, a mortal man couldn't couldn't do this more than once. <laughs> you know, he was right, the strongest right. guy. Yeah. Well, and, and, that's why you're, you're not seeing the velocities in the vertical crossbow space, even in compounds, because to Ben's point, you know, Ben's a big burly guy, you know, pulling 70, 80 pounds. I mean, that, there's 
that's not every hunter. That's that's a smaller niche of hunters who can actually pull that. So so for an example, I, I pull between you know when it comes to a vertical bow, I'm pulling between 55 and 60 on a compound, and when I'm pulling a recurve, I'm actually pulling between 45 and 50, right? So I mean that that's a that's a big part of what affects you know the velocity there on those vertical bows, right. and so it, it's just a limitation. You know, vertical bows are never going to be able to get into that kinetic energy space that crossbows can get. Good point. Good point. Um, any anything else we need to talk about uh, as far as in the the arm, the limbs, and the the cam systems and the strings. Yeah, so so the cam system, and again, some some uniqueness here that we have is, right, so one of the difficult parts, and this is a big part of what differentiates both the power and the consistency in a raven versus a, a center point, is the fact that those cams, because you have a rail that that string and that arrow rides on, since it's not free float, those cams have just ever so slightly a little bit of lean to them, right? Mm -hmm. And that lean is all things that affect accuracy of your shot and it's probably very hard to see to the naked eye but if you actually got a level out and measured it there's a little bit of lean yeah and as you cock that bow back and bring it fully cocked those cams pitch a little bit as well and all of that pitch in that cam affects the accuracy of the shot um so again that's something very consistent that you see and so that's why when people say well hey why why do we go from the price point that you see on a center point right you know, where you're talking $600, $800 for, you know, that model, depending on which version you get um, versus a Raven where you're kind of starting out in that, you know, $1,400 and up range. And a lot of that comes into the technology that's used in the limbs, but also in that free float technology, because all of that impacts the consistency of the crossbow and also impacts those ultimate velocities and how small of a footprint that bow can be as well. So what I'm playing with here uh, for our video audience uh, is I just attached the quiver, and um, it has a quiver attachment on here. I, I guess a lot of them do, but the cool thing about this is, again, it's it's pick rail uh, mounted. So you have the ability, again, to ambi this. You could switch it from side to side, uh, your quiver. It, this one holds three, three arrows, which is pretty standard. Um, but you could switch it, you know, for your left or right-handed shooter. Uh, and you have the ability to quickly detach. It's got a quick detach. There's a little latch there. You just pop it. Uh, and then when you get where you're going and you need more space, more mobility, then you can just detach it. Uh, if you want to carry it that way, you don't have to, you know, a lot of people choose not to carry their quivers on their, their crossbows. Um, but again, this is more real estate that you could put some other accessories. Again, we're talking about cameras, talking about lights, talking about uh, you know whatever. Maybe maybe you got a snack holder there. I don't know. <laughs> it's what, yeah. right, Ben? Right. Is, is it a cup holder? Right? Are we talking like minivans now? It's like yeah. how many cup holders that thing got? I mean, you could. You could definitely. Beaver take in there. I'd be all for it. <laughs> We could definitely probably uh, fashion one of those out of this, but yeah. again, it's options. You know, it gives you the, with that pick rail gives you the options uh, again to go ambi to go uh, multi-purpose. You know, from you know different mountings that you may have. Uh, and I'm thinking about taking this off, even though you know my first two hunts that I went on with it, um, 
it, it it's good, but I could lose some weight here also with this. Um, it serves a purpose, and I'm talking about the handguard guys uh, right now for those who aren't watching. Um, but again, there's a plethora of aftermarket handguards that I could put on here too uh, that you're comfortable with. So um, it's limitless, and that's what I like about it. Uh, but this one is very comfortable, um, especially. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, especially it's got a good, that, that foregrip's got a good angle to it. If I'm doing a prone uh, or knee shot. Um, yeah. I like it's got that little, the way it goes flat and then it comes down because let's say you were trying to like bench rest that, you know, on a window ledge if you're in, you know, a more traditional shooting house or if you got a bag that you shoot off of, something like that. Mm -hmm. It allows you that flat spot there that you can kind of butt up against and really get it into your shoulder. Because again, much like a rifle, the tightness in your ability to hold your crossbow is Mm -hmm. going to help. And the consistency of your shot. Stability. Yeah, it gives you stability. Yep. You know, and if, if you prefer 100%. a vertical over a angled, you know, foregrip, you have that option here with this. You can do that, uh, which is why I like it. But this one, it's a soft rubber grip, which, again, grip is where it's at. So if you're putting this on something, leaning against it, it's not just going to slide off. You know, it, it kind of it grips the surface of what you're putting it on. So. Uh, or if it gets yeah. wet or moist, you know, something like that. I like, I like that ability. Um, you, you like that wet or moist? <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> favorite word, right? Uh, he said moist. Uh. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know uh, other features um, that we could talk about. I think we've pretty much covered at least your crossbow. And again, you know, there's different. Different manufacturers have, you know, little different varieties and you know, the way they do things. Um, but this is a, is it, would you call this a compound crossbow? Well, yeah, so in, in most crossbows you're going to see on the market today are compound, right? So in other words, you have, when you come at full draw, you, you have that let off. Mm-hmm. Um, much like what you talk about. Going from traditional archery to a compound. Does this make it compound? Cams allow that the off. cams, is that what makes it a compound or the, the cams? Correct. Okay. Yep. But there are some that don't have cam systems that are out yeah. there on the market that you guys can get. Again, there's there's a variety yep. of different uh, crossbows out there. And for different age groups, you know, there's youth crossbows out there too. Uh, yeah. Simpler, Most of your easier to use. Most crossbows you're going to see are just traditional limbs. There's not going to be a cam system there. It's not going to be that compound setup. Yeah. Um, and again, that's because then it's lighter draw so they can cock it. It's also, they don't, you know, when you're learning, you don't need all the crazy speeds that, you know, could cause problems. It's more about, right, getting getting the good basic and getting good foundation down. Right. So uh, anything else you think that we need to cover on the, as far as the parts functionality? Anything like that on the crossbow itself? No, I mean, I think we've covered everything. Okay. Uh, I think the only other part we didn't talk about, obviously you've got the foregrip there, but, Uh and so this is kind of our, this will be our our safety segment, if you will. Yeah. You'll notice there's two little wings that kind of come off of the rail there right above that foregrip. Yeah, right Um, here. And that's very intentional, and you're going to see that on every crossbow, and that is intended so you don't get your fingers up on the rail. You do not want your fingers anywhere up in that space above that line on the rail because that string is coming down with all that energy 
down that rail. If you were to get a finger up there or around there, you would bye bye finger, bye bye digit. Yep. Yeah. Clip them off really quick, um, and yep. that is that's a good feature because you know people's hands tend to creep, and that's another good Correct. purpose of this too. Is it keeps your hand down here too instead of you know riding it up in in this area or something like that. So. Um, yeah, that is a good point. I like that. Does that have a, a name? Uh, it's, it's just it's just the the finger guards or the you know hand guard. Okay. I, I I've heard it called both. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice feature. So let's talk and about you, the- and you'll see that consistently pretty much every manufacturer. Now they're going to look maybe a little bit different. You know, some of them will be scalloped a little bit different yeah. or shaped a little bit different, but. At the end of the day, they're all and and they're gonna be kind of you know skeletonized like that to keep weight down, yeah. but also not be so skeletonized you could actually get a finger through there. Yeah, right. Well, At least for and again, gold. this is polymer, so we, you know we're talking about polymer yeah. and bows. This is a polymer piece like a Glock or, or something like that. Um, Correct. That's there. It's lightweight but yet sturdy and strong. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's not gonna break on you. You're not gonna push it too hard and. And have it crack off. I mean, that's a it, that's a pretty robust part of that crossbow yeah. because that's a big safety feature, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, let's talk about that the triangle. You know, the deadly triangle. You know, you want to keep your your digits, you know, out of that when it's when it's cocked, definitely. Um, right. And you know, and that goes into proper bolt loading um, and you know maintenance and everything like that. But before we talk about that, let's do let's talk about the maintenance because Ben was talking about it earlier. Uh, your rails and your strings. Mm-hmm. Ben? Yeah, so, yeah, so just let ben. Go, go ahead, Ben. Yeah. I'll let you jump okay. in on this one. Uh, I didn't know if I need to reiterate what I was talking about before. Um, pretty much that's one of the main things in my mind to keep a check on is your strings and your cables because it all starts and stops there um, in my mind. Now, Brandon, you probably can shed more light on this, but... If a string or a cable blows, it is not a good day at all. So it is important to make sure that that is taken care of and, and kept up. Talk about how you do that. Okay. So, so yeah. So your strings are going to have a shot life to them or a time time life to them, right? So what, what we recommend is, you know, depending on the crossbow, and again, look at your – and this will be the same for every manufacturer. Look at the site. But I believe we recommend changing the strings on that model that you have there every 500 shots. Might be a little bit more, um, you know, but I think 500 would, should be sufficient air on the side of caution, right? Um, Damn, I'm getting, quick. I'm getting close to that. <laughs> I'm getting close to that. Yeah, Yeah, are you? Okay. Yeah, well, man, there I've, you been, go. I've been wearing it out in the backyard, dude. I've been practicing yeah. heavily. Be they're, they're a blast to shoot. Yeah. Um, I'm probably and, about, and so I'm probably also, about 200 shots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. I've only had it. What? Less than a month, about a month. I say, I don't think it's been too, too long. No, it's but yeah. So, so you, you, you definitely want to watch the shot count on your strings and, you know, kind of keep track of that and switch them out or, you know, every two to three years, even if your bow's kind of been sitting, we would still recommend that you probably go change your strings, make sure that they're, you know, fresh, you don't have any fraying, right? Anything like that. Cause if you start to see fraying that, you know, you pull that back, all that energy, you know, it might look like it's okay, but next thing you know, that string pops. And, and as Ben said, you've got a bad day on your hands. 
uh, you know, both from blowing your bow up, but also from safety, you know, because you, you never know where that bolter, you know, is going to go. Um, so yeah. you definitely don't want to experience that. And even on the, st- then, the strings, you've got, you got the serving. Talk about that. Yeah. So, so your serving, right, is what the actual knock is going to rest on. And so you want to, you know, keep your eyes on the serving too. make sure it's not coming undone, coming untangled. Um, and what the serving is, the serving is a, uh, an area that's been reinforced, I guess you would say with another material. Correct. Yeah. It, that's because that's the part that's going to have the direct contact with the actual arrow or the bolt itself and the rail a, and the rail. Correct. On, yeah. on a crossbow, it contacts the rail as well. So you, you want to keep your eyes on that area. And again, that's also, if your serving's coming undone, does it mean your bow's going to blow up? Not necessarily, but it will affect the accuracy of your shot, you know, because you could push that air out a little funky, have the flight of it come out a little bit of off trajectory and maybe your windage is off. Right. Right. Um, so, so it's just, it's all the little maintenance parts to keep up with, but keeping the wax, right? You got the wax that comes with the crossbow, having your rails, keeping your rails waxed. So that's going to help with that friction. Um, That's going to be a key part of crossbow as far as when you talk maintenance. Mm -hmm. And that's... As long as you got that waxed, you're, you know, that's going to help you extend... And the the wax and the lube are... Sometimes you don't want to put lube on your, your, your strings or vice. The wax, I guess it doesn't matter, but um, the lube, it was one of, there's one of them that you don't want to get on the strings cause it could affect the strings. What was that? Was it the lube or the wax? I, I don't, I mean, I've seen two different, I've seen say. some that's specifically for the rails and I've seen some that's specifically for the strings. They're two separate things. Well, so there's, there is string, there, there is a string wax, but that's usually being used on, you know, like a vertical bow. Um, mm-hmm. Like a, a traditional bow, you would wax your string on like a you know a traditional bow. Yeah. Um, when it comes to your crossbow here, you're not going to need to do that. Waxing the rails, the, the main reason you're doing that is because you do have friction with the string and the rail. And so that wax is just going to help that friction, yeah. which is going to help velocity and help accuracy. Right. And you want to make sure you keep it, keep it waxed. Uh, Correct at all times. Now, for our for our listeners, and you may not be aware of this, but Seal One, one of our sponsors, they make a it's called Bowpro, uh, and it is for lubing the rails and and waxing your your strings as well, keeping your your strings uh, maintained. So, I've been using that on here, and uh, it works fine. They've got a paste. This isn't the paste. Uh, but they've got a paste, and uh, it works really good too. And they've got like a little, like a little applicator, in case you didn't want to just mm-hmm. do it with your your finger. But you just put it on there, you just smear it with your finger, and you go all the way back into uh, where the the trigger action uh, that holds the bow, all that rail area right in through there. You don't want to get it back up in there because because it'll collect dirt and stuff. So you want to make sure it's clean back in your uh, your action area, but. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been using. So for you guys who have the Seal 1, you can just use your Seal 1. Or the Bowpro, it's a specific Bowpro. It's the same thing. FYI. It's it's the same product. There you go. Yeah, that you're using your Yeah, gear. so so obviously waxing that and then 
you know, checking your string. And then the other thing is, is your timing of your cams, right? So you're going to have what they call timing dots. And it might be hard for you to pick it up on the camera here, but there's two little imprinted dots or dashes that's actually on the cam itself. You should see it up there by the string. It should be more Over towards this the way? back. This way? So what yeah, that is, is that is yeah. to make sure your string should line up between those dashes. If your string is lining up outside of those dashes, that means one or multiple of your cams is out of timing. And that's bad for several reasons, right? It means your bows, probably it's affecting your accuracy, more than likely affecting your speed. And then obviously in the worst case scenarios, it could ultimately affect, you know, the safety of the bow. Because if the you know cams get too far out of timing, then it could blow up, right? So this, um, this so is right good. behind the arm. The limb, yep. The limb. So my, my tick marks are right behind those, right under those. So I can't yep. show them on the camera. But you're saying make sure my string, my strings line up with those. What do you mean? So in other words, it should almost like, think about it almost like a window, right? So your string should land in between those timing dots. As long as those dashes or sometimes they're dots on either side of the string are aligned, mm -hmm. they're even, in other words, yep. then your cams are properly timed. They're in time. Gotcha. I'm with if you, you start to see one of those dashes or your dots get out of pitch with the, the parallelness of that string, yeah. then your cam is out of timing. Gotcha. And that's going to affect your accuracy, your speed, and could ultimately affect the bow. And, and again, worst case scenario, blow your bow up. It ain't good. So that's a that's a maintenance thing. So if you see it go out of timing, then it you know obviously if you're a proficient archer, you have your own bow press. Then it's probably time to change out your strings. Um, if you're not, you know you could go to any reputable bow shop or retailer that has a bow shop, um, and they would be able to swap out your strings for you. They'll check the timing, make sure it's good, make sure it fires and functions properly before you get it back and you take it either to the range or out in the field. Gotcha. Good tip. All right. Uh, any, any other maintenance things? What about arrow maintenance or bolt maintenance? Anything? Bolt maintenance? Other than like you were saying before, you know, flex it, make sure there's no cracks or fractures in it. Correct. Yeah. No, I mean, that. that's it. And checking your knocks, checking your inserts, making sure everything's seated. But... Yeah. Your 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 veins, your fletching, making sure it's all adhered on there, good. And ben, anything else? I mean, I, that's all I could think of. Just yeah, kind of common sense stuff. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of as well. And you know, obviously, you don't want to store your arrows with broadheads next to your strings and cables. Um, if they're <laughs> just uh, you yeah. know, I mean, hey, it's happened before. I mean, think about it. You know, you just put it all together and. And, and it's just not a thought until you go in there and your bow is disassembled in a thousand pieces. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Common sense, which you, there's not a lot of that these days. Hey. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, uh, it happens. Uh, but I got to get a new, I got a new knock. Got a couple of new knocks. So that's going to be my, my next purchase is when it I get to me like you need a whole other target so you can shoot at different targets. 
Well, I wanted sort of, to. I was uh, trying but, to be accurate. You know, I was checking the accuracy. And, well, accuracy isn't defined by grouping. It's defined by putting the arrow. Yeah, but I shoot rifles mainly. So, you know, like I said, this is my first time getting into archery. So, uh, you know, group shoot, shooting a rifle grouping is what it's all about. Because <laughs> you shoot a hole, then you got to worry about putting another bullet in the hole. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just trying to do that. We're just trying to slip one into that old lung or right. the heart. Right. I'm I'm still in that rifle mentality, so I gotta get out of that. Um, but yeah, yes. you're right. You know what? If you hit what you're aiming at, then it's freaking accurate. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I, yeah, I learned that lesson. I was like, I'm not gonna do that anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't jack up the 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 arrow. It just jacked up a couple of the uh, knocks. So yeah. I can get a pack yeah. of those, no problem. Hey, leadheads, White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called seal skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the seal one clp plus you'll see how easy it spreads around you'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes then you come back and you want to wipe it all off so you see how easy it is to put on and remove and the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean we're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before okay it takes about three cleanings so i like to say a clean shoot clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such you will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say seal one and done. Seal one is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code Leadhead for a 25% off discount. All right, let's do this. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go to our Instagrams. We're going to do some listener questions. Uh, All right. before while I'm doing that, not before, but while I'm doing that, uh, we have this segment also it's called Facts to Fight the Myths, and I'm going to give the two of you an opportunity to bust Maybe a myth or maybe a, a misconception or maybe a pet peeve uh, that you have that you'd like to address um, with our audience. So we'll start with Brandon. Is there a, a myth out there that you'd like to bust or a pet peeve that people have maybe with archery or hunting or, or just anything? Yeah, I mean, I think specifically related to crossbows, since that's what I'm here to you know talk about, and at least that part of archery, I, I hate the myth or the misperception that crossbows are really only for, you know, 
really young, immature hunters or disabled hunters or really old hunters. Um, you know, th that's not true. That's, or that's you're less myth. of a hunter because you use a crossbow. He's like, oh, you're right. not a real hunter. You don't use a compound bow or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've known a lot of guys who are, you know, they're dedicated, you know, to the vertical archery, whether that's traditional or common. There are certain times that they want to pursue game with a crossbow. You know, whether that be because they're going after, you know, bigger game that, uh, you know, they're not, you know, confident maybe in their, you know, vertical archery capabilities, you know, uh, it could be whatever. Or some people just want that, you know, ethical shot, if you will. So, I mean, I, I read a statistic one time that said it was like folks were 65 to 70% accurate with a vertical, you know, compound bow. And they were 75 to 80% accurate, same shooters with a crossbow. So again, it's it's proven that people are more proficient, more accurate. And when you think of a time where hunters are sometimes maligned for not, you know, ethically taking game, you know, or, you know, being able to put game down, you know, in the fastest manner, I, I could see why some people maybe want to go to the crossbow space because they don't have the time or the dedication to put in to be that proficient with a vertical bow, mm -hmm. but we, we we want to embrace all hunters and, and we want them to get out there. So the crossbow gives them that opportunity. Maybe they don't have the time, which is so exactly why I picked up the crossbow. You know, that was my whole reason in going with crossbow yeah. is uh, time. You know, for one to get proficient with a bow, and mm -hmm. I wanted you know I wanted to archery hunt this season, and you know I was able to do that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's just removing that stigma, you know, that sometimes you see, right? It's, it's just like you got gun snobs, you get archery snobs, you get all these people who try to tell another person. So I really just say, hey, pursue the passion, you know, whatever you like, whatever you enjoy. If you want to go pursue game with the crossbow because that's what you like, that's what you have interest in, that's what you feel comfortable with, then do it. Don't worry about, you know, the stigma because it's it's unjustified. It's a total myth. Cool. That's a good one. What about you, Ben? I will say to that, uh, people need to stop worrying about what everybody else is doing um, and just mind their own business because, quite frankly, to Brandon's point, I don't really care what anybody thinks. If I want to kill something with a crossbow and it's legal, guess what? That's what I'm going to do because that makes me happy. Right on. About if somebody thinks, oh well, you're you're not a real hunter because because you use a crossbow. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's your opinion. Everybody's got one. I don't care. Uh, but the the thing that I really struggle with is you know hunting just for a trophy and not for the food. That really drives me insane. Um, I mean, it, it really irks me to take an animal's life and not to consume it for food because biblically speaking that is what they are here for uh genesis 27 3 and 4 goes into take your bow and quiver and go out to the field hunt game for me bring it back and make a savory meal so to me they were here on this earth for us to consume not to be trophies and only trophies now granted if you shoot a great buck yeah you're going to get it mounted I do the same thing, but I still eat it, you yeah. know, and it goes into the crock pot with, with the other vittles that are there, the, 
potatoes and carrots, which I don't eat carrots, by the way, but they add a good flavor to the mix. (laughs) Celery? You get those celery in there? Cabbage? No! Heck no! That's I don't need to get him down to Louisiana. Get him with the Trinity. Get him loving this. You don't eat celery, dude. I don't eat food that my food eats. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I do. Carnivore. I am. uh, I look at myself as the apex predator. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I don't. I don't eat all the rabbit food. I I can't do it. Now I, I, I do like potatoes and corn and stuff like that, but none of that other fancy jargon. I'm not into that. When you make a like a um, a pot roast, you know, stew or something, you don't throw like a bunch of vegetables in there with it as it's cooking, slow roasting. Mm -mm. No, that just ruins it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> hey again i don't give a damn what you think i, I eat it <laughs> that's the way i enjoy it hey look and that's the beautiful thing is everybody's different and that's what people need to realize is everybody is different and they can do whatever they want you so can put whatever you want in your stew <laughs> yeah that's right you can put anything in your stew i don't care how you cook it if you like it that's wonderful there you go <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's take some listener yeah. questions here. Uh, unless you had another fact to fight the myth. No, I'm good. Okay, those were good. No, appreciate I, y'all doing. I'll that. just say that that's a, Ben's answer is a huge reason why I love watching him in his show because I, I do feel like with a lot of these professional hunting shows, people have lost sight right and think it's just about the pursuit of the trophy. And if you don't take down the biggest buck in camp that the season's a failure or, or, you know, you're not a real hunter. Yeah. I mean, any real hunter knows it's, it's about, you know, the field to table experience with your food um, and, and the time you get to share with those in camp and the stories you share. Those are the memories that live on a lot longer. Um, and, and for me, the animals that I have mounted are not necessarily about their size. They're more about the memories that are t- tied to that animal and that experience. And I'll just say this, that not every buck is genetically inclined to be a trophy or a Boone and Crockett buck. It's not. It, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to shoot a spike because I think, oh, well, that's all he's ever going to be. Okay, but if he comes in and, and the neck is a full connected to the brisket area, it's a straight line. It doesn't look like a doe with antlers. It has a sway back and a pot belly. Okay, that's an older deer. You have a mature deer on your hands. It doesn't matter what size the antlers on that deer's head are. A mature deer is a mature deer, and you take that deer, you win. You have won. Meat, it tastes the same. Yep, you can't tell how old it is uh, or how big the antlers are by the flavor in the crock pot. Good point. I like that. All right, here's uh, questions. Let's go first what? Uh, Giddy up, this is a good question. What do you recommend for kids when they get started? My son just started wanting to go out and shoot, and I've only ever been into guns. So what do you recommend oh, that I mean, uh, youth start off with? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to archery, definitely, I mean, probably vertical space. There's a lot of good youth bows out there. I know we have some in the center point line. They're you know, going to help, help them get the foundations and the basics get into it you know it's things you know the bows are only going to be fast enough that they could go you know shoot them in the backyard even if you live in a suburban area you don't have to worry about it um that would be probably where i would start especially if we're talking you know kids in that you know five to ten year age range Mm -hmm. where it's just about getting them excited to be outdoors and getting them excited about shooting 
you don't want to overpower them with, you know, the, the complexity of, you know, maybe a crossbow or a compound vertical bow. What about you, Ben? Any tips, recommendations? I would, I would agree with everything Brandon said on that. I don't have any other advice. I mean, just okay. seek a bow. And, well, I will say this. You can go to a local archery shop and have them shoot at an indoor range and try different bows to see what fits them the best. That is what I would do. Good point. Yeah. like that. It's no different than sports equipment, right? You don't. Most people don't start their kid out with the five hundred dollar baseball glove when he's getting into baseball. You start out with you know the thirty dollar glove. See if the kid likes it. You know, help work on all the other parts of the game, and and then let them progress and, and build better equipment as they get more passionate and get better at it. Right. Here's a question uh, from. Nicolae, Nicolae, Aplanap. I wonder if he's uh, related to Aura. It says, honest question, do mechanical broadheads still suck? Worst day of tracking a wounded deer ever. I haven't personally had any issues in the past several years with mechanical broadheads. Now, before, I I've seen you know some stuff from like earlier on in their development yeah i mean they were still being developed but now we have it figured out so well that it, it's almost i mean i'm not saying that a hundred percent of the time everything's going to work perfect because it's not but for the most part i have had zero failures on a mechanical broadhead it's more so about shot placement yeah and, and like we said the main thing is nowadays if you want to guarantee, you know, that those those mechanicals use the right mechanical that's rated for the bow you're using for the velocity you're yeah. shooting, um, the grain weight, all those things come into play. So there, there's, you know, there's some research that you got to do to make sure you're pairing things up appropriately. But everything I've seen, as long as you're using the right equipment um, for your yeah. bow or what your bow is rated at, you should have no issues. Could have been Nikolai had the. He didn't have them paired up right, or maybe he had a bad shot too. He hit, hit it in a in a bad spot, or maybe it could have been just one in a hundred situation where it just didn't do right. You know, yeah. it, the the broadhead itself failed. Um, you know, there's always that option to think of as well. Uh, he also asked uh, you specifically, Ben, what is your favorite duck to eat, and why is it wood duck? Uh, I love. Sandhill crane and speckle-bellied geese. Those are my favorites of all time. Um, now, wood duck, I love eating wood duck because they're plentiful around here. Uh, there's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and growing up in Alabama, that's about all we ever shot. So, you know, uh, but sandhill crane and... The speckle belly goose are my favorites now. As far as the duck world goes, mallard and wood duck, teal, pretty good. I like really. I don't have one that I have just said, eh, except maybe a snow goose. We'll have. We need to have you back on. We'll talk about like recipes and stuff. How to cook. How to yes. cook up different yeah. uh, with duck and deer and uh, all the game meat. Um, we had uh, Amy, Amy Hall on. Um, 
a couple of times for you listeners who uh, are not new to us, but are new listeners. She's big into hunting and she had me over uh, one time to her house and she had that sandhill crane fixed up and man, that stuff was so good. Oh yeah. Ribeye. Yeah. It was like eating a ribeye, man. It was so good. Yes. Uh, I need to introduce you to her by the way, Ben. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Austin Whalen. Are there certain things to look for when buying a used bow? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're buying it, you don't know the life, right? So you could start with some of the basic mechanical stuff like we talked about. Check the strings. Check the serving on the strings. Check the timing of the cams. Make sure all that's good because that's ultimately going to affect function. And then also, you need to look over the limbs. You need to look over the forend, you know, the riser, the shaft, any of it. If you see any cracks or stress fractures, Right. Those are all things that could be big problems and cost you big money or cause you safety concern down the road. I, I agree with that 110 percent. Brandon, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Very good. CP man, what would you uh, what would be recommended for a good starter bow? And I can answer this. Uh, the 430X. I'm I'm starters. First crossbow I ever shot. I uh, have no problems with it whatsoever. So uh, the 430X, the Wrath. Yep. But you may have some other things, Brandon, that you recommend. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's a it's a great one to start with. I mean, we do have. If you're talking somebody who you know is looking for maybe a lower poundage or lower velocity, because maybe they you know if their budget's a little bit lower, right? Like, let's be honest, you know. So we're you're kind of talking when the wrath you're in that uh, $600 and up, but we've got bows in the space that if you're in that three to $500 budget, um, you're going to come with some less features. It's going to be a little bit slower. Most of those are going to be a, a, you know, a manual rope cocking device. Anything in that space is going to be great. You know, it's much, it's, it's the same thing like the kid in the baseball glove analogy, you know, start with what you feel comfortable, what's in your budget, and then as you get dedicated to it and proficient with it, up your tools. There you go. I like that. Um, but he's got money, so he could he could go ahead and just jump into the Raven. So there you, there you go, P-Man. Oh, yeah. Spend, there you go. Spend some of that attorney money. <laughs> yeah. Just shoot straight for the moon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and P-Man, uh, for our AK Corner listeners, uh, he attended Kalash Bash on the Leadhead Brigade's behalf. And uh, we're going to see if maybe we can't get him to fill us in on what happened at Kalash Bash. Uh, next question. And, you know, we've mainly been talking bigger game with the, the, the bow hunting. But, you know, you can turkey hunt with bows in some places, uh, rabbit, you know, smaller game hunt and then you can also there's bow fishing yes yeah right so and we're probably talking different setups but let's here's a question to get us into it flood munitions what's the best setup to get into bow fishing i shoot recurve and longbow and have thought about getting a real setup on one of those or should i go straight to a compound setup i started out with a recurve bow and I'm still shooting a recurve bow to this day 
on bow fishing. I like it because it's quick. I, I don't have to do the full draw. I can short draw and shoot fast. It, especially with a silver carp that jump, you have to be able to quick shoot those things. Now, I'm not saying a compound bow is inefficient or not the same capabilities, but if just from what the way I see things is I see things as tools and my cheap bow that I got from uh, Academy, a local outdoor store, um, I just bought it because I knew I was going to tear it up. You know, I knew it was going to be in the bottom of my boat and have fish all over it. So <laughs> I bought that I could easily replace and don't have to clean. There you go. Takes That's a licking and keeps on ticking, right? So, yeah, I, and I think that probably goes into maybe, maybe what you know and what you're comfortable with is like, know your equipment, know what your capabilities are with that, that tool or the, that equipment, um, and then go from there. And if you've got the ability to set those up, you know, those, the compound or the, or the, uh, the longbow, or the recurve, and you're comfortable with those, set them up for bow fishing. Yes. Try them both out. Yeah. See which one you like best. Yeah. Well, and that's what, you know, I think Ben's spot on, you know, that's, I, I love the, you know, traditional vertical, you know, vertical archery space. And, and I do think that there's a lot of times where, you know, that is indicative of, you know, bow fishing to his point. Um, but I do know some people who, you know, they prefer, you know, a compound bow for bow fishing just because they like to be, you know, full draw max power and have that let off, right? It, you know, some people can't hold, you know, a traditional recurve at full draw for long amounts of time because you don't have the let off that you have with the compound. Um, right. So, you know, again, baby, you know, if you're somebody who has, you know, a, a physical handicap or physical limitations and, and you want to get out there and be at full draw, but you can't hand, you know, hold a recurve back all that time. I think the compound is a, is a great option. Um, or if you're wanting, you know, more velocity, whatever, you know, right. Just upgrade your tools. Yeah. We've got our, our center point Typhon. So that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to come down, we're gonna go bow fishing with Ben, and we're gonna get him using a using a Typhon uh, compound to go bow fishing. Don't you tempt me with a good time. My boat is ready, and the <laughs> better have room for me because I'm coming. Yeah, that's right. You just drive over to my house. We'll ride together to the lodge. Hell yeah! <laughs> we're do doing it. it, man. We're doing it. Let's do it. I didn't know y'all had a bow fishing thing, man. We bow fish every <laughs> afternoon when we're in. <laughs> Wait, man, the big heads and the silver carp are everywhere. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. We, we got it lined up. There's a. Are right, you heard it here? We got it recorded. Podcast. It's coming. Yeah. Coming yep. to you first live action in Cairo, Mound City, Illinois, at the uh, Soggy Bottom Boys Lodge Outfitters. That's where we'll be doing that. Really? Yeah. Fish are beautiful. Nice. I'm down. I'm down. All right. Next question. Uh, Brett Bedal, what are some of your recommendations for sighting systems? Uh, pin and peep still the best option or mini red dot? Not sure if this is even an option yet. Uh, as far as vertical bow, I would definitely say pin and peep. Um, but for the, and Brandon, you can touch more on this, but I feel like we've talked about it before with the, um, crossbow you know we just need to look at the scope that comes from the factory with that bow or something equivalent 
to what is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's spot on. I mean, I, I think pinning people when it comes to vertical bow space is great. Um, I, you know, when it comes to you know recurve, I I just I, there's no sight system I use on my recurve. I, it's just point and shoot and learning you know learning how to aim properly. Uh, crossbows, I, I would recommend going with the optic that comes with your bow, um, unless somehow that optic gets damaged. Okay, good points. All right, let's. Uh, I know you guys got to go, so let's wrap this up. Um, we want to reward our listeners, and uh, I've got some seal one. Maybe I can get the bow, uh, the bow pro, uh, to give away. Uh, so, what was what was your favorite question out of all those, uh, Ben? Uh, the duck. The duck was my favorite. Somebody already knew that I was a duck man. <laughs> there you go. So, Nikolai. <laughs> Applanap, you're going to win the Seal One. Um, let me know if you want the Seal One or you want the Bow Pro, and we'll make sure that we get that sent to you. Email me, all the winners, whoever we announced today, talkinglate at gmail.com. Let me know what you won, and we'll obviously need your address. And throwing a shirt size there, too, um, just in case. So, Nikolai, you get the, uh, the Seal One reward. Uh, Brandon, I think you're going to put some stuff up from, from Velocity, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we had a, uh, and I think we might have glazed by it on the Instagram there, but we got a nice center point hoodie and a center point hat and multicam. So we're going to throw one of those out to, uh, to, do you want me to go with my favorite question or how do you yeah, want to do that? Yeah, let's just, your favorite question, let's let's uh, reward them with a hat and hoodie. Well, I, I like the bow fishing question because nice. now we're going bow fishing with Ben Cole because of it. And <laughs> so I'm going to help that guy out and that dude gets a hoodie and a hat. I like <laughs> it. Flood Munitions, uh, you win the hat and the hoodie. Obviously, we'll need your size for that hoodie, so uh, send that. It's his snapback hat, is that what it is, so he don't need a... Yeah, yeah, it's a okay. snapback trucker. Sweet. A little multi-cam, sharp little hat. Love it, wow. love it. So, uh, Flood Munitions, email me. Tell me what you won, and we need your address. Uh, and then, are you going to get two of those away, did you say, or one? Oh, yeah, we can do two. Oh, okay. You right. want to pick your favorite question? I will pick my favorite question, uh, and my favorite question is going to be um, the starter question from P-Man. What would be recommended for a good starter? Since I'm a starter, I'm just getting into this. Um, you know, I think I don't think I was overcomplicated with this uh, with the setup with the 430X. I think everything was simple, straightforward. Um, not you know again not overly complicated i haven't really got proficient with the the crank system yet that i'm i'm fondling over here in the video um <laughs> just because it's quicker for me to to use the string um yeah. to get more get more shots uh on on target but i do see the benefit of that crank system maybe being in a stand where i don't have as much room to you know to to cock it with the the string but um yeah, so P-Man, you win a hat and hoodie. So there we go. There's nice. our winners. Awesome. Uh, for today, appreciate everybody taking the time to get their questions in. Sorry for the late post. Uh, I know I didn't give you, I didn't even give you 24 hours this time uh, for the post. Sorry, Leadheads. Uh, we'll try to do better next time. But we do appreciate everyone who did see and did comment. Uh, did you guys share it on your sites anywhere? Uh, I did. 
shared it to my yeah. I'm going to share it out on mine for sure. So. Okay. Well, I meant, did you have any questions that we needed to field from if you reposted my post? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Well, if you if we didn't get your question or you're listening to this after we we recorded and you wanted uh, something answered, email me tinyletgmail.com. I'll uh, put you in touch with one of these awesome experts, Brandon or Benjamin, and uh, they'll answer your questions. Uh, and maybe maybe we can get us a, a whole new segment going, just an archery segment. Uh, so kind of like we're doing the AK corner. Maybe we'll do an archery corner or something like that. Uh, sure. and, and do like once a month or something like that. I think that would be awesome if we could maybe yeah, put, be, put yeah. something like that together. Um, but Brandon, uh, appreciate you and everything that you've done to make this possible. You and Centerpoint, the gang at Centerpoint and Velocity Outdoors. Um, wish Dave could have joined us. Um, too bad. He missed out yeah, on a good time. We'll, we'll do another episode and get him on and we can talk some Raven maybe. Yeah, we'll talk some Raven. I'll get a little more experience with this. Um, and then hopefully, you know, maybe I'll get a compound bow and uh, start getting proficient on those as well. And we expand our, my vocabulary anyway. And maybe I can come down and Ben can, can teach me how to properly, probably properly how to use the crossbow too. But uh, Ben, I really appreciate you being on too, brother. Did we lose him? I might might be out. Not sure. May I lost blank on my side. Yeah, he blank on mine too. Maybe he lost, he's out there in that in that lodge. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out in Tennessee, but we definitely will have Ben back on. Really enjoyed having him. I wanted to uh, uh, do the new guy questions with him, but maybe we'll do that next time. Uh, but hope you Leadheads enjoyed this. I've thoroughly enjoyed. It. There, he's back now. Yeah, I'm back. There you are. Um, so before we sign, I want to say thank you. Appreciate you being on. We want to have you on again sometime. Um, and I wanted to find out more about you, but we're running out of time. So we'll definitely have you back on Ben, like the regular show. And, uh, we'll find out more about the TV show and, you know, everything that you've got going on. So, uh, give everybody where they can get in touch with you real quick. And Brandon, before you go, I want you to give out your stuff too, but Ben, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so the best way to get in touch with me is Benjamin, the duck hunter on Instagram or rooted television, which is rooted underscore television. Uh, that is going to be the absolute best way to get in touch with me. Also, you can email me at uh, ben at rootedtelevision.com. Those are the best forms of communication. Very cool. Very cool. And Brandon, for uh, for Velocity, I know you guys have a wide variety of stuff, and we're going to man, we're gonna talk about air guns and all kinds of stuff with you guys. Um, give out your yep. center point info and uh, Raven. Or, yeah, I mean, if somebody needed to contact me or had some questions, feel free. It's just bforkworth at velocity-outdoor.com. Just that simple. And then you guys have the Instagrams, your own Instagrams. Yep. Uh, and you can do all that, too. So there you go, Leadheads. Uh, that does it for another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Hope you guys got as much out of it as I did. Uh, and, again, if you've got questions uh, or anything uh, to follow up with, talkingleadgmail.com. We'll make sure we get those. Uh, and go support all our sponsors. Mission First Tactical, CL1, 1776 United, Factory 47, Defiant Munitions, IWIUS, Century Arms, Keltec. Use those discount codes because that's how they know that uh, you're hearing about them on the show. And saving you money uh, on all your favorite products there. 
Uh, and then, of course, maybe we'll get something set up with Centerpoint. Maybe where we can, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. You guys don't have a uh, online store, though, do you? You just do all retail? Uh, yeah, we, we, we do. We have stuff, so. Okay, maybe we'll get a discount code set up with them, too, so you guys can uh, go get some of their cool stuff, too. Uh, but until then, Leadheads, as always, keep your loved ones close. And keep your weapons closer. And especially if it's a crossbow, right? And keep rooted television and Genesis 27, 3, and 4 even closer.